Hello there, and welcome to Headcanon, a podcast where we talk about film franchises with serialized narratives. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And today we are doing the fifth Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. This is directed by David Yates. This is his first of four appearances in the director's chair. He does the rest of the Harry Potter movies forever. And uh, written by Michael Goldenberg. This is his only, this is the only time Stephen Clovis or Steve Clovis did not write the script. He was like busy or something. Um, Yeah, this guy. Maybe maybe we missed Stephen Clovis. I don't know. Is it Clovis or Cloves? I've read Clovis. Okay. Uh, it's released uh, July 2007, July 11th. So this was still on the 18th month, 18 month schedule at this point. I think the next one is a two year gap, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm, we'll find out. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Opening statement, Marco. Um, be a very brief one. I'm after watching this movie. I'm kind of amazed that David Yates doesn't have a background as a music video director because I feel like that's how a lot of this movie was shot. Like you could recut a trailer of this to like a Katy Perry song, probably firework. Um, instead he's just a uh, TV director who somehow got a major film franchise. They're like, we had 10 other choices and they all said, no, did you congratulations, David Yates. Do you remember the choices? Not all of them. There, there, it wasn't 10, but there were a few other ones that they had that they couldn't get. Jean-Pierre Jeannot. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro. Jean-Pierre Jeannot would have been good. Again, I asked you before, I think he's the City of Lost Children guy. That's off the top of my head. Uh, he's Matthew Alien Paul. 4. That's how I know him. <laughs> I am not the person with whom you should fuck. Uh, Matthew Vaughn and Mira Nair. Uh, glad they didn't go with del Toro and Matthew Vaughn, I guess. That's yeah. an upside. Yeah, Del Toro's whole aesthetic would not have worked well with Harry Potter, I don't think. No. Anyway. I mean, it would have been, I feel like, Gilmore Del Toro tries to overlap a lot of the same things with Quaron, but, like, obviously much more darker, more in the horror vein, and it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have worked. Anyway. Is that your opening statement? That's my opening statement. All right. Well, I have a lot to say as usual. Okay. Um, I think in, in terms of the story, this movie, it's, it's frustrating, but exhilarating at the same time. I think it really kind of gets under your skin. Like Dumbledore, he's not keeping Harry in the loop. You don't know what his deal is. And then Umbridge, just such a monster that you're just, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're anticipating, like, when will these problems resolve themselves? You know, I think that's what makes it so satisfying when Umbridge finally gets the tables turned on her. And then Dumbledore shows up at the end and kicks all kinds of ass, and that's really satisfying. Um, screenplay is a bit rough. It's good enough, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of changes I'll make, obviously, but I think this one is a weird situation. This is the longest book in this the series. Uh, I think it's longer even than Deathly Hallows and Goblet of Fire. It's the shortest movie, mm. which is a bit odd that they made that decision. Too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think. Story-wise, we're kind of we're to the next level now. Harry's kind of learning more combat. Like Voldemort's back for real. They're a little bit older. Um, Harry's arc in this, like, what would you say Harry's arc in this is? Like PTSD and survivor's guilt, maybe. It's this is a this is a hardcore like uh, treatise on like victimization and, and trauma. I mean, like from a lot of different angles, a lot of different characters, not just Harry. I guess it's it's. It's recovery from trauma. It's PTSD, but almost like uh, 
using like the weaponization of your memories. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I don't know. It kind of feels like like Koron was the only one who actually like wanted to focus on an arc for Harry rather than just ideas from the book. Yeah. You know, which is why I think this it's it's like you can kind of talk about like well Harry's kind of doing this in the movie, but it it doesn't have that tightness. Um I mean, I I can say this for Yates. At least this isn't Goblet of Fire. Um, it's not just like a total violation of the tone or anything. Mm-hmm. I think he managed to get all the cast off cocaine for this movie. So that was nice. <laughs> um, it feels like this is the moment in the series where they started settling for good enough, though. Like nothing against TV directors, but they went and got a TV director. Uh, and it kind of feels like this is where the franchise is officially just a machine turning out content. Uh, they can, you know, pander with little fan service here and there. They're maybe not really trying to make a great film. Like, I think probably just spoiled by the fact that they lucked into Koron for one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and he's like really working at the top of his game. And now it just seems like they settled for someone. I just wish they'd settled on someone who didn't make so many baffling choices with his camera. Um, I feel like Kor- you could definitely say that Koron's like, shadow looms over the rest of the series after his departure mm-hmm. i mean because i feel like they're not trying to mimic the look of the chris columbus movies they're all trying to mimic the look of the Koran movie no but speaking of chris columbus i feel like this movie reminds me a little bit of him just in the pace i feel like okay. we're, we're back to this bad pace that was established in the first two movies yeah where it's like everybody's waiting for like the last person to finish their lines before they speak mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that kind of energy um I don't know. I wish there was like a way to like quantify like narrative information per minute. Like if um, there was like some sort of metric, I think this movie would be way on the low end of that. Yeah. I the, like the, it, it seems like they could have fit in more story with better pacing and editing. Um, but I mean, overall, I think they, they captured the spirit of the books. Like Umbridge is just like she enrages you and plain angry is in Daniel Radcliffe's wheelhouse. So I think, you know, they accomplished that at least it, but I, I guess it feels like this movie is when Harry Potter became an expensive TV show rather than a series of films. Mm-hmm. And this is like a decent episode, but it's not a great movie. This is like a, a YouTube uh, compilation of like this season of Harry Potter mm-hmm. is really what it is. I mean, like a lot of this stuff, I, it's, that's one of my notes for like when uh, I guess the, in the the book, it takes place in the hospital. But the scene where Harry and, and Neville talk about his parents <laughs> like um like that would have worked great i feel like like extrapolate over the course of like one episode well i'm I'm increasingly interested to see your takes on these movies as they veer further and further into like you've read the books right you know what's going on which is a bad idea for any movie series i i I respect that like if it's the fifth movie in the series there's certain shortcuts you can take with like you should have a, a familiar with the previous films but, you know, it's a different medium altogether. You should be able to appreciate the movie in some way without having read the book. And, and you know, some of these movies are bad examples of that. Like The Time Traveler's Wife is a horrific example of, like, you can't tell what's going on in half that movie if you haven't read the book. Um, in this movie, I think it feels a lot like they're, they're putting in all these little scenes to, like, cover their bases. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, and I'll get to it later, but there, there are certain scenes where it's like, I know that why that's there because it's in the book, but if you're just watching the movie, why is it there type of thing? Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's my opening statement. 
but also it's you know one of the things they tell you when you're writing comedy is don't ever write something that like you just have confidence that your funny people will make funny like uh mm-hmm. write write funny and then let them flourish from there i feel like, like they're like the judd apatow school of comedy they're like the script is what it is thank god we have a lot of really talented actors <laughs> yeah so uh let's go into our, our top three moments you go first uh i have I have one small one here for my for my number three. I'll say, it's serious yelling, "Nice one, James!" to Harry right before Bellatrix kills him, and like Harry's like subtle acknowledgement of that. I'll be honest; I kind of have to try lately to come up with top three moments. This one be- was uh, mine. Mine are all small in this movie. Yeah. They're all small moments. Well, it's, I I really like that moment as a storytelling moment. I wish it was executed a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great Freudian slip, right? Yeah. Um, well, because Sirius is so fucking ecstatic to get the band back together, to like, like have meaning to his life after like prison. Yeah, they didn't necessarily establish that in the movie at all, yeah. but I think you can at least read between the lines of what they're going for there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did like the nice one, James. Uh, so my number three. I wonder if you have this one as well. Uh, Harry and Luna in the forest with the Thestrals. Um, no, but uh, only because, like, I just want to say I fucking love Luna. Luna's a cool chick. She rolls around with raw meat in her purse, just in case. I, I make, man, British boarding schools are fucked up, like, the mm-hmm. way they treat this poor girl. And I have a complaint with the her introduction via Hermione, but, like, no, I don't have any Luna in my top three moments, only because I just love her entirely. Okay. Well, yeah, that, I did like that case. moment. I mean, it's that's uh you know invented for the movie obviously is a better way to introduce her but um i mean there's like a weird thing in this movie where you're like are they setting up luna and harry like what's going on exactly when they hold hands at the end yeah i'm pretty sure that by the time this movie came out i think deathly hollows had just come out um the book Hmm. pretty sure half-blood prince had been out so they kind of knew who harry was going to end up with but yeah i don't know it's it seems like they're setting up luna as like another potential love interest in this movie i feel like if you you know, only saw the movies. You would you would think that like there could be a possible like love triangle between like Luna, Harry, and uh, uh, Neville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So my number two is <laughs> I don't even know what to call this scene. Like the Mind Palace training of Snape. Like starting with Harry's memory. Like, looking, yeah, like looking into the the mirror of Erised from the first movie, and that's private, not me like that scene i love the emotional weight of it i love how ridiculous alan rickman is because like snape saying just the phrases the dark lord's pleasure and i will attempt to penetrate your mind are on my christmas list i feel like that's your number two just because you wanted to say those lines a little bit <laughs> uh my number two is just dumbledore like kicking ass at the ministry yeah um the battle I mean, of elements yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you know, there's some, some things I would have preferred to see differently. But overall, I, I think he really can't go wrong with, you know, the big, big ass kicker showing up to have a big wizards battle. So uh, usually on our podcast, you're the bigger Star Wars nerd. This is my moment where, um, do you remember like the original draft or Turn of the Jedi? The ending was supposed oh, yeah. to take place in like a volcanic lair. And well, like, and, uh, like the ghost, the uh, force ghost of Obi-Wan shows up to fight yeah, the flu. Yeah, and they're supposed to like, like, like be commenting on the battle it kind of reminded me a little bit of that in a way it's like i don't know can we get everyone possibly in this scene watching these two fight 
But it was like it's like when Yoda shows up in Attack of the Clones, right? It's like step Little aside, bit. step aside, children. <laughs> Let the master take this on. Um, yeah, it's a great scene. My uh, uh, honorable mention, real quick, is just McGonagall and Umbridge in the battle for the higher step. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I love they that. Keep taking higher steps, and then she steps down. But my my number one moment is the scene where Harry's explaining the wet kissing to his friends, <laughs> and Hermione has like <laughs> I think it's because she's crying. He says Hermione has to explain like women and like the complexity of human emotions to these blockheads, and it's like Harry can like you can see the moment where he's like if not in Goblet of Fire, it's like here he finally realizes the inevitable inf- but infuriating romance that is going to be Ron and Hermione. I I wish I could agree with you, but that that bit is so much better in the book. Well, I don't, that it just it hurts my heart. I don't doubt it, but also just the fact that, like they're like just so casual and like blase about like oh she's crying, <laughs> she probably feels pretty bad about something. What makes the scene so perfect in the book? It goes on for longer. Is like Hermione's explaining you know girl emotions to Harry and Ron. She's writing this super long letter the whole time, and it's just like she's like just you know churning away on it like. You know, line after line is like this epic letter that she's writing. And so she's doing that. I mean, it, I think it would have played really well to kind of give your actors something to do while they're talking. Uh, she's doing that through the whole scene in the book. And finally, at the end, they're like, who are you writing to anyway? And she's like, Victor. And, you know, Ron gets really mad, of course. Uh, it just is like a perfect little like kind of like joke cap to it that she's been writing to Crumb this whole time. Is it a breakup letter? Uh, we don't know. I feel like Hermione is the kind of person who would like write you like a a thirty five page letter about why you should break up. Mm-hmm. It would be very nice and very complimentary and mm-hmm. utterly devastating. Yeah, because like she would like then make like it would be written like like a lawyer basically. Yeah, there would be no clause. Yeah, twenty five like concrete pillars for why she's taking this stance that you cannot argue with. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Um, so yeah, my number one would just be Harry teaching Dumbledore's army. Um, okay. just fun scene. Harry, Harry gets to take a little charge of the situation for once. And he's like dressed like Lupin because I think Daniel Radcliffe thought that'd be a good idea to have him dress like Lupin. Yeah. I, I just read that. Like that was his idea to dress like mm-hmm. Lupin to, cause I mean, that's really, it's really what this whole sequence is about is like, he actually can acknowledge that like he's survived thus far with a lot of help. And a lot mm. of like like lessons on the fly, and it's like he's not. I feel like he's not just teaching the others; he's actually teaching himself to actually like utilize the things he's been told to apply them. Um, yeah, yeah. So, top three complaints. Uh, I don't have like a a top three of. I feel like there's a lot of lowlights. Um, one of them was, again, I, I would like to see the extrapolation of like some of the stuff of Harry and Neville bonding. Especially since they, if I remember correctly, aren't they both potentially... Like, the prophecy could, could refer to either one of them? Yeah, you don't really learn that. I think you learn that at the very end of the book. Okay. Um, yeah, that the prophecy could have referred to either of them, but Dumbledore basically, essentially... Or not Dumbledore, Voldemort chose harry basically it's like he he you know made the prophecy true by by choosing harry mm-hmm. um so i feel like that and and the stuff with dumbledore's army especially would have made great uh fodder for like the tv show version of this of this book this year at hogwarts um i don't know like 
it reminded me of Goblet of Fire in that in some ways I didn't feel connected to the characters. Like they really mm-hmm. sacrificed a lot of that connection. I mean, like character you, for plot. Yeah, I mean, you do at least connect with Harry more than in the previous movie. Thank fuck. Um, Is it me or does Harry seem like he might be like a little too jacked in this movie? Like his like scenes where he's like kind of like freaking out and his like neck muscles are bulging. Like, it seems like he's been hitting the gym maybe too much for what's supposed to be, like, a 15-year-old. Yeah, well, I was also I was also really worried that this was going to be the evolution of, like, Danny Radcliffe doing way too much, like, hurt acting. Mm, like, yeah. watch a, like, it's it's a lesser example would be Pierce Brosnan, who does a lot of hurt acting in his movies. But, like, Mel Gibson would be the super example, like, <laughs> constantly dislocating a shoulder yeah. or whatever. Um, I had a chuckle. I don't know why it's in my low-light section. I had a chuckle when Hermione had the series to say, the chimneys are under surveillance. Yeah. So my my number one complaint with this movie, I feel like David Yates has no idea what he's doing with his camera from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. And it's it's distracting to me when I watch this movie. Uh, did you happen to watch that thing I tweeted that link to that every frame painting video? Uh, no, sorry. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so it's a video about Fincher and the way he shoots, although it applies to really just any good filmmaker. Um, and the quote from Fincher is, is Fincher's talking about like, you know, he says, some people think there's a million ways to shoot a scene. I think there's two, you know, and the other way's wrong, basically, <laughs> is the, the gist of it. I, I feel like David Yates never watched that video, obviously. Like, he does the weirdest nonsensical things. It's like he has no real style. It's just like from scene to scene, he's just like, oh, maybe this will look neat. Mm-hmm. Um, just off the top of my head, a few of them in the Occlumency lessons, it's handheld for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this, like kind of like very shaky, obvious handheld. Um, the shot of Fred and George, like flying away, you know, their big grand departure. It's mm-hmm. shot that courtyard, like looking down, it's at this extreme wide angle where you really see the lens distortion. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why it's, just, you know, it's like, could you not get enough people in the frame or something? Like, why did you shoot it that way? Right. Um, the when Dumbledore makes his grand entrance at the end, it basically just like cuts to him walking out of a fireplace, like not grand at all. Basically, like it's like that. That's what she came up with. It's just like, oh, and then Dumbledore just walks out uh, towards the end. There's the moment when Voldemort rematerializes out of Harry, mm-hmm. but you never really see. He just kind of wanders back into the frame. Yeah. Well, there's um early when Harry's at his hearing. And Dumbledore is approached Fudge, and he's just like, Fudge, like, you know the reason for this is Voldemort, you know? And Fudge's just like, fuck you, I don't believe it. And then it's like, Dumbledore is now, he's, all right, he's he's done trying to argue that. He's just going to take over the hearing and, like, get to the point that Harry's innocent. And it cuts to this extremely high overhead shot, mm-hmm. right when Dumbledore is, like, kind of sh- taking charge and showing emotion. And it's like, what are you trying to communicate by going to this really high shot where we can't see the actor's face? He's robbing the actors what he's doing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. And the last last thing I want to point out, I mean, I could go through like every shot in this movie and complain about it, but the bit where Ron is asking Hermione to like look over his homework or something like that, and she finally agrees, and he says, you're honestly the most wonderful person I've ever met. And Emma Watson wanders right out of the shot, so we don't see her full reaction to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just want to grab David Yates and shake him and be like, what is wrong with you? How could you... How could you not get that reaction completely in the frame? Right. Like, did you not notice that? How do you, how do you let that happen? Yeah. Uh, it's just so frustrating. I feel like they almost should have found a way to get Ollivander into some of the ministry stuff only because the ministry, I don't know how it is in the Ollivander? books. 
Yeah, yeah, because the ministry is like this weird parody of like British government, like like mix of like 1984 and like set dressings from like an Illuminati you, cocktail party. Are you sure you mean Oliver the Ollivander the wand maker? Yeah, only because John Hurt was in 1984 the movie. That's why I'm saying that. Um, that was a stretch. Yeah, but like the the weird, I don't know. I just like the Thatcher bleed <laughs> all over this this parody of British government was painful. Um, yeah, David Yates visually there are some shots that that make for good trailer moments i felt like mostly the stuff with the prophecy room well i'm looking at the uh just the opening here where it's like harry being a sad bastard on the swings and it just like cuts to this shot of a empty spinning merry-go-round for like five seconds Mm -hmm. it's like what what exactly are you trying to communicate like i kind of know what you're doing david yates but it's it seems like you don't it's like you're just like oh this will mean like loneliness or something even though like what you're supposed to get in these opening scenes that they fail to communicate entirely is that harry is really angry mm-hmm. um this whole movie is supposed to be really angry at least in the, in the book he is this in the movie he's like 20 percent as angry as he is in the books but in the rest of the time he's just like traumatized yeah he's supposed to be really angry at being kept out of the loop but he never really establishes that here it's just like him being like sad bastard on the swings mm-hmm. and then uh <laughs> Big D shows up. Yeah, and I don't know. Like he's actually called Big D. Big D. Well, Harry calls him that like snidely. Like in the books, Harry's kind of a little shit. He's like trying to instigate Dudley into yeah. like he's trying to start a fight with him, and Dudley's like trying not to. Well, yeah, because this guy makes your food. Don't fuck with him. <laughs> You're gonna get some glass when you go home for dinner. Yeah. Plus, you've seen him. <laughs> You've seen him and his cohorts give you a goddamn tale. Mm-hmm. One thing I would change too is, and I can't imagine it's like this in the book, is there's way too much info dump via like newspaper headlines and or like Martin Luther proclamations nailed to the walls. There's a lot of kind of uh, like plot cheats, you know, like like narrative cheats happening. Yeah, a lot of montages of newspaper headlines and like like radio, you know, news report type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm, yeah, not I mean, that. I do love it. There's a decree banning Weasley products, <laughs> but uh, one of the headlines is just Ministry Anger Centaurs, yeah. which hashtag Centaur Uprising. And that, that's the kind of thing I feel like where they're like, hey, we couldn't fit it in the movie, so we'll just put a headline in. Yeah. You guys like that, right? Uh, rather than just telling the entire story. Um, so my another big complaint I have is the the editing in this movie is atrocious, and I feel like like, I don't know if Emma Watson pissed off the editor or David Yates or something, <laughs> but I, yeah, I like you and Watson. You're not good in this movie, but I don't feel like it's her fault. I feel like the editing completely hangs her out to dry. There are so many scenes where it seems like they like use the take from like a second before they should have. And so mm-hmm. it's like this weird pause. And then she says her line and it comes off really awkwardly. And you can fix that in editing very easily. Like, I don't know what they were doing, but every line she has, it seems like they didn't cut it correctly. And so she sounds like a really bad actor. Mm. Worse than Rupert Grant, though? I barely even noticed Ron in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, seriously. Well, it's just, it's just like, it's like Ron, like, he just took a step back from being such a fucking dick. Well, the last basic- one. Basically, Ron has no story at all in this movie, and Hermione basically just serves as like exposition mm. for the most part, and uh, you know a little bit of like character. Well, Ron can't doesn't even have room to be a dick because like Seamus is being a dick to Harry. 
Well, Ron's whole plotline in the book is um, he he's on the Quidditch team, and uh, also he's a prefect. Like him and Hermione get made prefects. They never even mention that. But he's on the Quidditch team, but he's the the new keeper. But he has no confidence, and so that's kind of his plot in the book for the most part. But they cut the Quidditch out completely from the movie. Does that mean they get to use the like Olympic sized fuck pool in the bathroom? Yes. <laughs> With Moaning Myrtle? Mm hmm. <laughs> uh, last complaint, um, and I wonder if you even noticed this because it's such an afterthought in the movie Snape's worst memory. Oh, yeah, it's in there. I mean, yeah, so you're, you're probably more aware of this because you've read Deathly Hallows and they touch on it a bit there. But the whole scene, like, where he goes into Snape's mind is this is it's supposed to be in the pin C, so he like really witnesses everything. It's not like these quick cuts, and he basically sees his dad and Sirius bullying Snape and mm. being shitty. And the, they cut out completely the part where uh, Lily runs up, you know, not Lily Potter yet, but Harry's mom runs up and tries to defend Snape, and like she actually hates James Potter at this point. And it's it's a really interesting dynamic. And the, the the worst memory, the reason it's the worst memory isn't because he's getting bullied. It's because he calls Lily a mudblood. And like that's the end of their friendship, basically. Mm. Uh, and they just cut all that out. And I don't even know why they bothered to put that in. Like, if they're going to, like, truncate it to, like, 15 seconds of quick cuts, like, why even bother? I feel like the the past version, like the uh, the James and Lily and Snape and, and Padfoot and all that stuff, like, that's the version of the story where uh, Harry and Hermione got together. Only it's James and mm. Lily. Interesting. But yeah, I don't, I don't even know why they bothered to shoot those scenes. Like, would it have killed you to add another two minutes to the movie to, like, really flesh that out? I don't know. Maybe the acting was bad or something. Maybe they didn't want to cast a young Lily. Mm. But that's... What what you're left with is um, that scene is in there, but it doesn't go anywhere. Like, it has no narrative point in this movie. It's a placeholder, yeah. It, you're like, why is this here exactly? It's because it's in the book, and like, seemingly it's important, but it doesn't really change the story in any way. Like, Snape just yells at Harry, and he doesn't do any more occlumency lessons. But it's like, what what was the point of that overall? It was the point was <laughs> year six, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. <laughs> yeah, it was just so half-assed, which is annoying. Like, I mean, if if these we're not based on a book. If this was just a screenplay and you're making a movie, anyone would read that and be like, why is this here? This doesn't go anywhere. Well, I feel like it's, it's inflicting upon Harry that there is more perspectives than he realizes. And that Snape has his whole inner, well, they world. never follow up on it. No, not in this one. And, and, and they don't have time. And because the, the whole rushed ending, mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't remember them essentially brushing umbrage aside as quickly as they do mm -hmm. um i was kind of pleased rewatching this because I, she crawls into your skin and she's so vile to watch and so i wasn't looking forward to seeing her character again but uh she's so much worse in the book oh my I god can, i can only imagine but it's there's something about seeing it personified as a real person though yeah i mean i i think i think it's a melda stanton or staunton mm -hmm. she does a good job just i mean even even the uh the movie, like, you know, toned down version of Umbridge is absolutely infuriating. She does a good job of portraying that. I just, I wish they had more of it. Uh, and less of like, less of like the like tucking your shirt type shit that she's doing and more of just like the way she abuses her position of power to silence people 
mm-hmm. and like basically alt try to alter the truth. Like it's like infuriating on this like primal level that like it makes you like I hate Umbridge more than Voldemort. To me, she's a bigger villain in a way. Which is redefining normal normalcy. And I mean, she's like the corruption of power, basically. I mean, it's it's just infuriating. I mean, it's like you just you want to rebel. You want anarchy against this person. Well, I think metaphorically, you could argue, argue that the, the Nargals are the thing that punish. They're the parts of the world that punish people who are different. And Nargals? Yeah. Luna's the things that Luna's always afraid are taking her stuff or whatever. Like those are the things that are, that are always like punishing people who are different and making them feel more secluded. And that's like, uh, that, that's where Umbridge lives. She's like controls those, those fucking things. I mean, I get the Nargles are not a real thing, mm-hmm. but it's like, it, she's the face of the status quo. That is so horrific. And just, I don't know, I guess cause I, it's still a British thing. I, I, I keep thinking of like Thatcherism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of wonder if Umbridge is at least partially inspired by Thatcher. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's her refusal to just acknowledge like the truth of something like how Cedric died is just, oh man, it's it's so enraging. Well, like, and it's it's. I mean, yeah, the way like propaganda is is born and has no real logical like this whole. It's not really a new thing, but you see it more. It, it becomes more palpable in like a, a media age, like like we live in now, like of politics and elections and what have you. But mm-hmm. that there is no there is no other version of how Cedric died. It's just like if anyone pushes to that level, you just question their like loyalty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So those were our complaints. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the source material. This is always fun. I think people enjoy getting your perspective and like, what did you think of this and that? Um, Side note, can can any house, can any magical architect install a room of requirement in a domicile or a building? No. Okay. Uh, Yeah, don't get me started on that. Hermione is just like, it's the room of requirement. Allow me to exposition on this. I don't know why I know this. Yeah. Yeah, well, they miss. They're they're supposed to set that up in uh, Goblet of Fire during the the Yule Ball. Okay. Dumbledore makes a joke about how he was like, you know, there's rooms in this castle I never know about. You know, I was wandering and like needed to like go to the bathroom, and I suddenly found like a, a wonderful bathroom, and I could never find it again. Like she is sets it up the, beforehand. Yeah. Is that where the joke comes from? In this one, where Ron makes that yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of set up the idea of the room requirement in uh, Goblet of Fire. Okay. <laughs> It's like, um, what I need is an Olympic-sized fuck pool. <laughs> oh, check that out. Hogwarts provided that. With an over-sexualized little girl ghost in it. Yay! <laughs> to make it extra creepy. What did you think about the the letter that talks at the beginning when Harry gets expelled? I thought that was not the most dynamic visually. No. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you have just read the letter? Yeah. Is that so hard? I mean, Or, or had, like... like I don't know what they're doing. Is it Richard Griffiths? Is that his name? Richard Griffiths. They're just like, can you just mug from now on? We don't even want you to say dialogue. Just do weird mugging at the camera. Like, couldn't they have had him like angrily read one of these letters? Wouldn't that have been more effective? Oh yeah, you're getting you're getting Vernon's like blue steel look mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time now. But like, this is a lot of the magic in this universe, though. It's it's not just that. It's like the flying paper birds and the defense against dark arts before Umbridge walks in. It's like it's all about animating the inanimate and then taking away that life. Yeah. In the book, he gets like five letters. 
It's mm-hmm. uh, it's like this storm of owls. Like these letters keep coming in. First he's expelled, and then another letter in says he's not expelled, and another letter is like you have a hearing, and then Dumbledore or somebody else writes a letter, and they're like, "State put, Harry, don't do anything, don't use any more magic." And well, it's then- just, at this point, he's completely frustrated because. He doesn't know what's going on. He's been kept out of the loop for six weeks. Like Harry and Ron, and uh, or I'm sorry, Ron and Hermione won't tell him anything. He, he's like super frustrated. And he just got attacked, and then finally, like he's he's told uh, uh, what the Dudleys or the yeah no Dursleys. I can never get Dursleys. He's told the Dursleys about the Dementors and Big uh, D's family. Yeah, Vernon wants to kick him out, and then they get a howler from Dumbledore. Although you don't realize it's Dumbledore for us, it just says, "Remember my last Petunia," and she like very interestingly she's the one who's like no we can't kick him out and you're like oh character development for petunia that was nice but who, instead they who just have one on letter most of the dursleys yeah at the very least they should have had two letters one letter saying you're expelled another letter saying you're not chill out don't do anything well but so so just just from my perspective harry gets expelled uh as far as he knows because mm-hmm. he like saved his like dumbass cousin's life in the Dementors, who they somehow made less scary in this yeah. movie. So, the Order of the Phoenix shows up, and to, I don't know, aid Harry, they then get him to commit more magic in public. And, and Does the he do magic? That, they fly their fucking, like, Well, that's broom. not magic, though. Still, it's magic. No, so no, I, it's I, not, I though. I, mean, I can't fly a broom around. In a technical sense, he's not using magic to do that. It's It's... An already enchanted object, but he's not using any magic by flying it. But they're also flying right outside of Parliament, which... Well, yeah, that... I mean, they, they like, fly up into the clouds but, and shit but also the book. The They're not, like, buzzing the tower. They're standing in line, and it's like, uh, like a crew member is just throwing them all brooms from off screen, and it's supposed to be like they're summoning them from somewhere, but it doesn't look interesting at all. No, it doesn't. <sighs> I was just like, this also, is... why does, why does uh, Mad-Eye have, like, a weird staff instead of a wand? Not a, Not a huge fan of that. The only way, the only time it was cool was at the end when he just like pounds that thing in the ground and it like vibrates the one mm. guy out of the way. Oh, but and it, Tonks. They haven't talked about Tonks at all. But Mad Eye is exactly the same as he was <laughs> with the David Tennant fake Mad Eye. Mm-hmm. I, I, I same inside I, jokes still apply. <laughs> I uh, I don't miss David Tennant's like cunnilingus acting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Tonks. I like her again from the very first shot that uh, uh, Remus and Sirius are introduced. I thought, oh, they're a couple again. I mean, they're actually like leaning into each other. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I almost, I almost like for a moment there, I almost like dislike Tonks because I was like, you're, you're cutting in on these two guys. But like, she seems cool, even though there's barely barely any of her, yeah. Other than the fact that her name is Nymphadora, and she does not like to be called that. Yeah, there's a whole lot of, like, Mad-Eye Moody, how are you? Harry Potter, this is Kingsley Shacklebolt, and this is Nymphadora Tonks. I told you not to call me Nymphadora. It's like, we get it. You're introducing the names. I like Kingsley's look. Yeah, he's got a good look. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the Order of the Phoenix is, like, HQ is, like, Sirius's family home. He's a known, wanted quote-unquote mass murderer i would think this would be one of the first places the ministry is looking for him in their manhut well it has a fidelius charm on it which they never explain so just go with it <laughs> it's just squeezed into these other two like townhouses wasn't a big fan of that effect i felt like it was too no. slow and awkward well and it yeah it was frustrating. the better way to do that effect would be to have no effect at all have like 
Like, because Harry is supposed to read a note from Dumbledore that officially tells him the secret so the Fidelius charm works and then he can see it. Like, the way to do it would be, like, he looks up and it's, like, number 11, number 13. Looks down, reads a note, looks back up, now there's number 12. Yeah. Like, it would be cheaper and easier to do it that way. Yeah. Well, without, like, the weird jarring vibration where it's, like, even the muggles, like, silverware is vibrating on the table in front of them but like they're not supposed to be able to see it because it's magic oh speaking of number 12 grimwald place what do you think of creature um creature the creature the house elf right what does hermione think of this character (laughs) well hermione should be a a big fan of creature because she's you know founder of spew and whatnot so apparently when they're doing this they wrote the script they didn't have creature in it and J.K. Rowling was like, uh, yeah, you're going to want to put him in it. He's going to be important in, in Deathly Hallows. And so they're like, oh, OK. So they like wrote a couple scenes of just creature like wandering around, mm-hmm. never explain who he is or what he's really doing. But it's like, all right, he's there. Mumbling to himself. Like, yeah. It's just like I did my chores, mom. They put creature in the movie. Yeah, it's such an afterthought. <sighs> also, just the, the way I don't know, like Hermione's just collected and she's there at the end of the summer like where did it go i just wish they could have built up a little bit more at the beginning explaining why harry is so angry right now because he he shows up and he's like he kind of like yells at ron and hermione a little bit but it's like we haven't seen any of this so it's like news to us like it doesn't really resonate the way it should you mean like the the click flash of like robert pattinson and and voldemort from the previous movie What's well, it's like we're not in his headspace yet of like if we'd start out the movie realizing that like, oh, like none of his friends are writing to him and like he keeps checking the news every day and there's no report about Voldemort. and He's really confused and no one will talk to him. Then it would make sense when he finally finds him. He's just like, what the fuck? You yeah. know, <laughs> like what happened? I thought we were going to write each other, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand Ron being a lazy piece of shit. Sorry, Ron fans. But like, was Hermione totally cool with like being excluded from like the kitchen meetings? Oh, I not like of Herm- age. Well, I feel like Hermione would be pushing Harry. Like, we ought to know what's going on in there, don't you think, Harry? That's Hermione's. Like, that's where they. That's that's like the best case scenario in a lot of the stories for her. But, like, because like when she's prompting well, Harry she's at to someone else's house, though. So I feel like you know she wants to be polite when she's like 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 lifting Harry up and affirming him to like teach the Dumbledore's army class. I'm thinking like. He's just going to be the figurehead, right? Like, Hermione should be the real teacher. Like, like well, see, that's, that's, no, that's the thing, though. In the books is that Harry actually is quite good at defense against the dark arts. Hermione is okay, and she's certainly a good witch in a lot of other ways, but she's actually not great at defensive spells. Like, Harry is better than her, hmm. uh, and I, I feel like they could have done a little bit more to establish that. Hmm. I, I, there's a... a excellent little grace note from the book i wish they could have found a way to put in where it's i think it's about when they get to grimwald place and they're arguing over whether or not harry should be included in the meetings and uh molly weasley uh, you know ron's mom is the big proponent that like he's underage he shouldn't be involved and Sirius at one point says he's not your son molly and molly says he's as good as and harry just overhears this and it's like it's a you know emotional moment for him Mm -hmm. that's like has a big impact and i don't know I don't know how you couldn't have worked that in to get his reaction because that would have been a really good character moment. Yeah. What was the giant archway by which like Sirius eventually floats away in? Oh, the the veil. Um, there's a name for that. I can't recall it off the top of my head, but that's not supposed to have like a mystical energy in it. It's just supposed to have like a curtain hanging, uh-huh. and like 
it always seems to be blowing as though there's a breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what happens is uh, Sirius doesn't get hit with a killing curse. He just gets hit with like a like a regular like stunning spell or something. And he just like flies back through it and like doesn't appear on the other side because it's like it's like the veil to, you know, beyond, you know, the veil Another of death, sphere. basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like it and it's just like, boom, he's just suddenly gone. You know, he doesn't come out the other side and. And Harry is just like waiting for him to come back and he just doesn't. And yeah, it's pretty traumatizing. I feel like that would, that would be a lot crueler. I mean, the idea that Sirius could have theoretically survived. Well, they, I think they establish a little bit that Harry thinks he hears voices behind the veil. Yeah. And so does Luna. And that's because they both have dead family members. And so it's, it's positioning this idea of some sort of magical afterlife or, or at least some, some sort of idea of death and the beyond. Which sets up Deathly Hallows too. Mm-hmm. So like just as there's the difference between a book and the movies, I feel like the confidence in David Yates possibly came from there was probably really great production art for this movie. Mm. And then it was like 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 that archway, the veil. I bet that looked awesome in the production yeah. art. And then they were just like, great. And then he's just like, I have no idea how to shoot this. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to animate scenes in this this environment. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All the Death Eaters are Nightcrawler now. Yeah. They at least they have teleport better, everywhere. At least they have better masks this time. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that, like, teleportation shit at all. I mean, I know they can apparate, but they're not, like, the, the weird, just, like, mist that flies around thing that they do. I'm just not a fan. Well, it was very on the nose when they, they do, like, this black, gooey, you know, like, like uh, Nightcrawler vape. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, the good guys do all this, like, And they're all in light. white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like in that episode of Lost where baby Jacob gets wrapped in the white blanket and the man in black gets wrapped in the black blanket. Mm-hmm. Even the blankets. I feel like they could have just cut the whole hearing scene. I mean, I really the only reason that's in there is to establish that Harry's been to the Ministry of Magic to begin with, but right, right. If if I were if I were trying to like adapt this into a uh like two and a half hour movie, you'd have to just make some serious cuts and I feel like they did that in some places, like with the Quidditch scene, but in others, they kind of half-assed it. Mm. I'm, I'm fascinated by the way the magical world still slightly bumps up against the muggle world. Because there's a visitor's entrance. You have mm-hmm. to pay muggle money to get into it. <laughs> when the... Uh, what the fuck happens? I can't remember what it is, but uh, oh, when Azkaban, like when the 10 prisoners get away from Az- Azkaban, um, including... Helena Bellatrix. Bonham Carter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, introducing the Helena Bonham Carter as herself. Yeah. Like it's like we're like it's like we're glimpsing her and Tim Burton's sex tape right there. But like he doesn't uh, uh Fudge say that he's going to con- like contact the Muggle Prime Minister about this? He does, yeah. Like why? <laughs> well, because they're dangerous prisoners. Like they do that in in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, the like the the Muggles know that Sirius has escaped too. They don't know why. Like they don't know much about him but they know that like this dangerous person is on the loose he's, he's so dangerous that they have to warn the muggle prime minister about it too i just like i looked at i i, I do like the kitchen uh in sirius's house I, I like that long table it seems really interesting to me like if i had a home that was designed like that for some reason i but like just starting with gary oldman's whole look like his wardrobe and everything i just couldn't like shake the idea at one point and i was like i'm looking at a bunch of old rock stars like yeah <laughs> really wanting to put their band back together after like you know like john lennon died yeah gary oldman's like i'm supposed to be 35 yeah 
uh what else we got here just like book stuff um the whole bit where like filch knows that they're in the room or the requirement the whole time is mm-hmm. a little bit odd like they it's not like that in the book um the, where they like just keep sneaking past him like tricking him into eating like chocolates and whatnot like if for the, like for a long time they don't know where the kids are until they get it out of uh, cho's friend is it like water cooler like like inside talk with like the hack directors in this series that like like filch is like your 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 comedic go-to i guess like they have not do the weird walk again i don't yeah. know what's up with that is that just like uh who's that david david something? bradley david yeah. bradley's just like i want to well, do it and they're like okay like walter frey is just like guys i'm secretly hilarious mm-hmm. physical, <laughs> physical comedy is my thing yeah it's it's my thing <laughs> um what do you think of nigel i hate that kid is he the little he's a, kid? He's a little kid. He, he's. I don't know why that isn't Colin Creevy. Like Nigel does not exist in the books. They made up this asshole little kid. Uh, uh, he, he annoys me just on principle. He's pointless. There's another kid who's like weird. He has like the same. There's a kid who's like a Slytherin kid in Dumbledore's army. He has the exact same. Haircut no, there's no that, Slytherins in Dumbledore's army. There's a kid. I thought he was wearing like a, like the the blue or oh, screen. There shouldn't be. I'll say that. Um, he's got like the exact same haircut as Sirius. Like dark hair. Hmm. Kids just. I don't know. Just seeing that kid bothered me. Uh, yeah, Nigel. Another book thing. Um, they use the Levicorpus spell in the Dumbledore's army training. Uh, Harry doesn't learn that spell until half to half blood prince. So mm. which one is go. that? Uh, just raises somebody up. Uh, oh, right. Their foot. Um, um, you know, so they. So is this the effect for like the face and the fire that you were talking about that you wanted? No, it's just supposed to be like suddenly your head is like chilling in the fire. It's not. I don't know why they're like, maybe they just didn't like the look. Like it looked too goofy or something. Well, doesn't this look better than the it previous looks better? One? Yeah, this looks better than like the stupid Coles thing that they did. Yeah. Um. um see, but see, I wish the magical combat was more varied than like school children like running around yelling "stupefy" at their foes. Well, the the older wizards have learned to do silent spell casting, so they they can okay. just like whip their wands at each other. <laughs> Although a couple times Harry does it, and it's like you don't know how to do that yet, Harry. Uh, uh, I like that the the one spell like uh, uh, Neville's like his thing is that there's not enough flourish. <laughs> the yeah. Expelliarmus. His problem is too much wand, not too much wand flourish. Sorry, not not enough. There is a, a rare change from the book that actually makes Ron look more savvy than he is. Because oh. like in the book, he's constantly like inadvertently cockwalking Harry whenever it shows around. Mm-hmm. it's like she shows up and it's always she wants to talk to harry and he like sees that like she has like some sticker for like a different quidditch team on her bag and he like gives her shit about it and it's just like what the fuck ron uh but yeah so ron is like not a complete ass uh as far as that's concerned hermione's not constantly having to like drag him away when when cho shows up like I... ron actually like knows like he has like a knowing look with hermione in that one bit like before christmas uh-huh. So there you go, Ron fans. For once, they made a change that didn't make Ron dumber. Well, like I, I only in like TV and movies would chose like body language in that one scene signal to the entire room <laughs> that you all need to leave so I can talk to the teacher. Oh I yeah, like, she stares at herself in the mirror. <laughs> I feel like they like didn't want Cho to say anything because of her accent or something. It's it's amazing how few lines so many of these side characters get. Right. Uh, I wish you could like like take a stopwatch this movie like how long is it just awkward staring like yeah. how many how many scenes how many minutes can you rack up of just people staring 
What did you think of uh, Voldemort's like like three piece villain suit at the train oh, station? That's just why. Uh, no, thank you. It, Not from the book. Is that worse from like the weird robes that he wears all the time? Well, it's just I don't know. To me, it was just dumb. Like I, I, I don't know. It's supposed to be like Harry's scared of Voldemort or something, but I don't well, know. I just why does his mind put him in that suit? I guess. I mean, I. I why like does the... his mind put him in Voldemort in uh, Harry's like hoodie later? I like that shot only because he's looking in the mirror, and I, 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 I thought it was interesting. They finally kind of got to a place of the uh, how they're like, how they're different, but also kind of the returning of the reflection, the mirror thing from the first one. I just like, I, I guess when I first saw this movie, because this was the first one I saw in the theater, I was like, okay, so there's going to be an evolution to his look, and then it's like later on he's yeah. still in these black robes. Yeah, no, the the suit, and that, see that to me means that they made a mistake with the suit because you're expecting something that they weren't trying to communicate. Uh, also, like Hermione has to spell everything out for Harry, like, especially like concerning like Dolores and the the Ministry's interference. Harry has got to be the worst guy to watch a movie with or a TV oh, show. Well, why did why did they kill him, Hermione? I thought they were with him, and she's just like, honestly, Harry, really. <laughs> That's your name, dude. <laughs> Phones ringing, dude. Yeah, I I wish they had found a way to work. Uh, Sybil Tre- Trelawney's uh, I'll say that name wrong. Trelawney, Trelawney, uh, Professor Trelawney. She's like kind of a bitter drunk in the books. Like when she starts <laughs> getting like on probation, it's like there's these frequent mentions of like Harry will like pass her and like just think that she smells faintly of cooking sherry because she's uh-huh. like just always drinking cooking sherry. Nice. I wish they had found a way to work that in. I uh, you know. Th- villainous touch about umbridge that i did not realize the first time i watched the movie she even measures how tall the troll choir master is ableist what a bitch yeah what the fuck and she's like oh shit hogwarts is not ada compliant and we're not gonna be yeah they don't totally highlight it but she's supposed to be pretty slytherinish in her like like she hates half breeds yeah she's xenophobic she she hates lupin for instance because he's a werewolf she was like in charge of like trying to write some laws that would make it very hard for Lupin to get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's her deal, which is why she's so comfortable when Voldemort takes over. Hmm. Speaking of animal people, at the train station, where does Sirius like where is he keeping that photograph when he's in canine form? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, that that is one thing that Corrin kind of screwed up when he had um when uh, Pettigrew transforms from rat to to Peter Pettigrew, he has all his clothes on. But mm-hmm. I think they just like the visual so much of like the clothes like shrinking away from the body uh-huh. that they had you know the cr- clothes not transform. Uh-huh. Um, but that's not like Animagus like they keep their clothes on. That's that's how like in Sorcerer's Stone, uh, McGonagall can be like as her cat form and then right. like, transform right. into human mode and not be naked. But I don't know. It's like they just decided at some point, oh, it's going to be like you, you don't have clothes on when you transform. And so suddenly, like, he just, like, found, like, a coat somewhere. Like a at, robe, at yeah. At King's Cross and <laughs> threw a robe on. Yeah. I mean, it made sense, I think, for Lupin to lose his clothes. Yeah, that's kind different of an kind of magic. change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, also, Quarren was like, look, ain't nobody trying to see Timothy Spall naked. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody well, it, see it, that. It, he, I don't know. It, it's a weird. I, I think they just wanted the visual of like the the rat shrinking into the clothes because it's like people like that visual. But they they should have just had the clothes shrink too mm. with the mouse. Um, so Hermione. Okay, so you had to clarify this for me because I I didn't pick up on it watching it. Hermione like calling Luna Looney 
like her sense of uncomfortableness from the jump like falls flat to me because to me this character has just been introduced and i get that she's a little bit spacey but i i don't know i guess i i like luna uh even though she has an unfortunate name um i like her from the very beginning so yeah i i'm trying Maybe to because i can right tell now. people are going to dislike her it, I'm pretty sure it's it's hard to even tell in the delivery, and again, the bad editing of uh, poor Emma Watson's performance in this. Mm. It sounds it it's hard to tell that she says Looney and not Luna the first time. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. I think it's either Jenny or Neville. I think who first calls her Looney. Mm. Like it's it's introduced differently. Like the way it works in the book is that because Hermione and Ron have been made prefects, they have to go do prefect duties on the train. And so Harry's kind of like left to himself. And so he goes and chills with Jenny and Neville. And then like Luna's there in the uh, the cabin with them. And so was that's Harry how like, he's introduced to her. Is Harry like, whoa, Jenny and Neville, tension here. Not they, yet. These I mean, kids had a weird night after that dance. They do a pretty good job of building up the kind of slow burn in the books. I didn't say they, she, uh, J.K. Rowling, does a pretty good job building up that slow burn where it's like, Ginny is suddenly much more talkative around Harry and he doesn't pick up, I think, till later in this book why that is mm-hmm. that like, oh, she's over me now. That's why she talks to me. But I really like the way Ginny's character develops in the books and she becomes somebody who like doesn't take any of Harry's bullshit, which is pretty cool because yeah. like he is such a pouty brat to Ron and Hermione in this, like to the point where several times Hermione is just like, look, will you please stop talking, taking out your anger on us? We're not the ones doing this to you, you know? Well, two times in a row he's just like basically like snort your fight and they're like shut the fuck up we're gonna go with you mm-hmm. you need us and at the end he's just like you know what we learned guys or i learned for you is that we have something to fight for and i wonder her money's like smack him over the head like asshole we learned this like three years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> only you are just now picking this up uh oh yeah so i did, I did running tags out the movie Ginny. uh i think it was eight scenes five lines I will at least give David Yates credit for this. He actually manages to throw in a kind of a little glare from Ginny when Harry's going to hang back and talk to Cho. Mm-hmm. He at least puts in a shot of her looking back like a little bit annoyed. It does not look, it does not feel like complete though. Like it feels like an editing glitch almost. Like it, like there's not <laughs> It was enough, a mistake. Yeah, like it feels like there's not enough to hang that to. If you don't know where it's, it's going... It's like you really have to be looking for it, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know where that's going, it doesn't make any sense to you barely register it. Also, now that I, I've, I don't know, recognize that Cho is Scottish, I wanted to hear more of her voice. I know, I know. I want to hear more of her. Um, I mean, there's there's a whole plot in the book where like they like go out on a date to uh, Hogsmeade and they go to like this like romantic little tea place. She and it's super awkward because he doesn't know what to say to her and then he makes her cry again because Cedric comes up in the conversation and it's a whole thing where like she thinks he's still into Hermione or something. It's it's a oh. pretty funny little bit where Hermione's just like, look, like the next time you talk to her, you should uh, maybe say I'm ugly or something. And he's like, well, I don't think you're ugly, Hermione. And she's just like, ah, Harry. Well, like, but I mean, the one scene would lead you to believe that every time Cho starts crying, Harry's like, ooh, time for kissing. Yeah. Put her put on the chapstick. Yeah, it's too bad they couldn't have had more of that. I mean, I don't know where you'd put it, but it was nice. I mean, that was another thing to establish that like, Obviously, Harry doesn't think of Hermione in a romantic way by the way he's like, you know, reacting to this. Right, right. But he, it's like he's he's very kind to her, and it's like, but you can tell like he 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 doesn't he doesn't realize why Cho 
would be upset that he has to go hang out with Hermione. He just doesn't see that angle at all. Mm. Oh, I just just reflecting my notes and Umbridge and her. You know that deep down, you deserve to be punished. <laughs> yeah. uh, the little old lady who's like the, the across the street neighbor for a Big D in the family. Oh, Mrs. I, Fig. I mean, she hasn't been in the previous movies, has she? No, she's mentioned in the books, but I don't believe you've ever seen her until this point. Okay. Um, did you know that originally Arthur Weasley was supposed to die in this book? This that was like the, the one sense. time Rowling changed her mind. She was going to kill Arthur Weasley, and then she's like, no, I can't do it. And then after, she went and killed Fred. After Harry has uh, like sexy murder dreams about uh, Ron's dad. Yeah. I mean, they really glossed over that in the movie. Which, like, so much of this movie is like, we have so many plot points to hit, we're just going to hit them all as fast as we can, rather yeah. than, like, try to just, I don't know, simplify a little. Well, like, first of all, Arthur, I like Arthur a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of a stumble bum. Maybe not my first choice for guard duty of any sort whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I and because of that, we we don't get the scene. Like they're supposed to have a scene with Gilderoy Lockhart because they go to the St. Mungo's like wizard hospital, uh-huh. and that's where they see Lockhart. He's in like long term care. This is when they're going to visit uh, Arthur, obviously. Right. Uh, but they see Lockhart there, and so that was a neat callback. And that's where they run into Neville. Because he's there visiting his parents with his grandmother. And that's where you find out about his parents and that they're tortured by Bellatrix and whatnot, which I don't know, would have been longer, obviously. But to me, that like would have been a better way to have that scene rather than him just randomly being like, by the way, Harry, my parents are in the, the loony bin. Yeah, that sucks. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would have it would have been much better for character development. It would have been probably much more interesting visually. I wonder if, it, aside from money, and they didn't want to build the set and have the extra actors, they were Here's just like, saying, "We can't it's... have Kenneth Branagh, Helena Bonham Carter, and like in the same movie." There's like a restraining order. Here's what I'm saying: I don't want to hear about fucking budget when these movies make a billion dollars each. Yeah, really. Like, really, you're talking about budget, a couple million. But, but come on. Never mind the fact that there are many, many talented television directors who deserve to make the jump to features mm-hmm. sometimes i have to wonder from the the executive standpoint the financial the bottom line standpoint isn't that what you're thinking when you cast or when you hire a tv director to, to film your movie like aren't you do thinking it on the about cheap the, yeah do it on the cheap yeah well that's that's what this feels like this movie feels like they're like eh, it's time to start, start cranking these out yeah uh, there's the thing you're gonna you're gonna film a master then you're gonna do like individual close-ups that's that's how you do these things Another another little book quibble. Um, Hermione should have more trouble casting a Patronus. She was never very good at that. I feel like she she does it too easily in this. Um, uh, as a fan of the His Dark Materials books, um, not so much the movie, a little bit the movie, not so much the movie. I could not help but think of the Damon's uh, mm, yeah. Patronus menagerie was on play there. I know Ginny's uh, Ginny's Patronus is a horse in this. I feel like it should have been a stag. I don't know why, but that makes me think of, uh, I want to do like my King Robert voice from Game of Thrones. Okay. Drinking and whoring. Um, that guy should have been somewhere in Harry Potter's universe. Uh, do they go into more about what happened to Luna's mom? Not really. Basically just like did some magic that backfired. That's all you ever really find out. Okay. Um, another change they made in this, it's Cho who like rats him out under, uh, 
you know, like pressure. I think the, the Veritas Veritas serum. Yeah. Uh, in the book, it's Cho's friend who's like obviously just getting dragged around because Cho wants to be there. Mm-hmm. And Hermione does some like awesome uh, witch work where she the sign up sheet that they have, she jinxes it. Mm-hmm. So if anyone tells that like they ha- like jinx gets written in pimples across their forehead. <laughs> and so it's so that happens to the friend after she tells. Uh, and so like and it's like Cho's like mad about this to Harry. She's like, that was really messed up what Hermione did. And her, Harry's just like, eh, should have told. <laughs> right, right. Bitches get or uh, snitches get uh, stitches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same same uh, difference. Um, I would like to think that by this point, Draco is at least smart enough to think, like when he looks around at the lot he's been thrown in with, like the, mm-hmm. the Grand Inquisitor squad. It's like Filch and the same two fucking dorks that he's been like <laughs> stuck with the whole time. Like he's got to realize, like this is shitty. I know. I should be ruling this universe. Instead, I'm fucking the fucking janitor and his weird cat. And he's totally doing that cat, too. The cat probably outranks him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Norris. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They totally gloss over the owls in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's, what like, a major the... theme of the book is, like, how hard they're studying constantly and how much homework they have. But What was the bit you were telling me about the, the woman who was, like, the proctor for the test? Oh, um, I can't remember if it was a woman or a man for this particular scene. Well, which which point? There, there's well, a thing where... Yeah, so it, this is after Dumbledore has been sacked or is on the run or whatever. Um, it's like a, a very, very old woman is one of like the test uh, examiners or whatever. Uh, and she shows up and Umbridge is like trying to like, you know, be in charge. And she's the old lady's just like, well, where's, where's Dumbledore? And, you know, and, and Umbridge is like, oh, and I'm sure we'll we'll have caught him in no time. And old lady's just like, I doubt it. You know, like Dumbledore has done done things the wand I've never seen before. You know, like there's no way you'll catch him unless he wants to be caught. Right. And it's just like kind of funny. It's like Umbridge can't say anything to this like super old witch. Right. She's right. Just telling it how it is. Just telling how it is. But yeah, I mean, I I know it would have been hard to really show studying in the book or in the movie very much, but they kind of just rush right past that. Also, kind of a dick move on Fred and George's part. They like disrupt one of their owl exams. Mm-hmm. And their getaway. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's an important test they're missing out on. So, I mean, this is basically their grand entrance or grand exit from, like, academia, right? That yeah. Was, that was the point they were making is that they, they get that, like, this is an incomplete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're going to go open their fucking joke shop or whatever. They drop out. <laughs> I think that this happened to a dunce at our high school, too. He did something. Obviously, he didn't do this flourish. <laughs> this grand No door. magical broomstick. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, there was a grand exit from a guy who knew that he wasn't going to graduate anyway. <laughs> also, just last book thing, they cut out a lot more. There's like a much longer extended fight in the ministry with just the kids before uh, the Order of the Phoenix shows up. It's like mm-hmm. an extended chase and pretty impressive fighting from the kids. Like they, they hold their own for at least a little bit, a little bit. Of time. So as I understand it, it only you whom the prophecy's about can pick up the fucking glass ball off the shelf. Did you get that from the movie? Or did that's, you just like read that somewhere? Well, that's that's what Lucius, Lucius, who's... He's got okay, great, does he say that? He's got great inflection. Mm-hmm. He's got, like just popping everything, going high, going low. But he says only the, the person who the prophecy's about can retrieve it. And so I took that to mean, unless it's about me, I can't pull it off the fucking shelf. Like, who put it on the shelf? That is a good question. What is the point of collecting all of them if nobody can read them? 
Don't ask too many questions. Also, yeah, they they cut out the bit where they like accidentally destroy all the time turners in the okay. Hall of Mysteries. Like, oh, can't use the time turners anymore. Would make it would make a lot of make a lot of sense. Um, like I said, I like the battle of the elements. I like the fire, the water. I like turning the the glass into sand. I feel like like that battle is the greatest thing that ever happened to like the ministries, like like glass guy. Like I feel like a big order fulfillment's coming in his future. You know what I mean? Like like well, Joe Schmo who the who uh, like Citizen Kane big like wall canvas of a uh, fudge there. Yeah. Gonna need to replace that too. But it's like you tell me you need seventy five thousand more windows. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So uh, just some general discussion points. Wanted to think, see what you thought about Harry's anger in this. I was thinking while. I was reading and watching the movie. I know we all hate Umbridge, but is it possible that Umbridge is actually teaching Harry to manage his anger and his temper? Interesting theory. I don't, you don't get a ton of this in the movie, but like the way he refuses to complain about doing the lines and whatnot, like it becomes like a private game between him and Umbridge. He's not going to break for her. He's not going to give her the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is actually learning to control his temper a little bit because of that because I mean, he gets in a lot more trouble in the books he's like constantly getting in trouble and you know he gets kicked off the quidditch team and he has detention constantly and i don't know uh because he, he is a very angry person in, in all the movies or in all the books as well but maybe he's learning a little inadvertently from umbridge well i think people if they're smart they learn this over their years i think the few years of my life where I worked like food service or other kinds of customer service, I learned that you tend to learn more from like your enemies mm. than your friends. Um, and hopefully you get that there's lessons there. Uh, so it's quite possible. I mean, the only point to which I would agree with her, uh, not so much for the class that she's originally assigned to teach, but Umbridge says like something about like you need a risk free environment. <laughs> and yeah. I thought. That's that's cool for some of this. Maybe you don't need to be like maimed. <laughs> that reminds me of one of the uh, line deliveries I felt like they just missed on. Like, what did you get one take of this or something? When he says, "Oh, I don't know, Lord Voldemort," not nearly snarky enough. Like that should just be like biting sarcasm from Harry. And instead, yeah. it's like it just the thought just occurred to him or something. Yeah, yeah, a little sassy. Also, would it kill them to show Harry's Patronus as a stag? Like again, he he does it in this, and like it's just like a ball of electricity, right? That, well, you're saying that you know me. some of you can't produce an animal, so you just need that like uh, gooey like wall of protection or whatever. Mm. Oh, also, when Ron lowers his wand to crotch level to then shoot out his, that really bothered me because <laughs> <laughs> he's just like sploosh. There's Patronus. a there's a line from Molly early where she's talking about Fred and George, like you don't need to whip out your wands constantly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I don't know, the wizarding world in general is extremely phallic. Uh, I wonder what all the witches think of that. Well, it's very phallic, I mean, just the wands in general. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that Harry basically sees himself in the form of Nagini in the dreams, mm-hmm. like piercing at people and attacking them, and basically, like I said, sexy murder dreams. <laughs> I mean, you take the sound out of uh, when Arthur gets attacked, it looks like a porno. Oh, oh. There's a bit in the seventh book where, like, Fred and George give Ron, like, this, like, pickup artist book on, like, mm-hmm. how to get witches. Uh, and he's just like, it's not all wand work, Harry. 
which is just like I don't know if JK intended the uh the pun there or not, but Right, right. Yeah. I could see Fred and George being highly into like the seduction community. Mm-hmm. Um I wouldn't want we didn't want to talk about like fan fiction about what happens to Umbridge after the centaurs take her away. You know, I let's talk about that because there okay. there's three or four like fan theories about like this really awful thing happened and like you just didn't realize it in Harry Potter and I disagree with I think all of them. Uh, so one of them is that when Umbridge gets carried off by the centaurs, they like rape the shit out of her. I just disagree. I don't like the the centaurs are never set up as like in the Greek style really, mm-hmm. and I just don't like. This what book have you been reading? Do you really think that's what J.K. Rowling was intending? Like, I, I it's like if you want that to be your headcanon, I guess you can. But I just, I, I disagree with that interpretation. It's I not. Just, it's not the kind of story that that she's telling. Another one is that like Harry and or not Harry, um, Hermione and Crumb hooked up. Uh, it's implied that they made out. It's not implied they did anything more. Um, He's a physical being, though. He is a physical being. I'm trying to remember the other one. It was Maybe very annoying. If only, if only they could have met in a bathroom before she found out that he was his teacher. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not supporting the text that the uh, centaurs had their way with Umbridge. I think it's very revealing about the person who, to whom that theory lives in their head. Yeah, let me bring up. There's another one that I, I've all disagreed with as well. Um, I'm not finding it right now. Sorry. Although we will have some fun, uh, oh, the goat thing. Yeah. Aberfor- Dumbledore's brother, Aberforth, and the goat. Like, he's like, he got in trouble and, like, did, had some kind of, like, on his record. I don't know if he went to Azkaban or what. Minor scandal because he uh, was using inappropriate charms on a goat. And so everyone's just like, Aberforth is a goat fucker. <laughs> um, and I guess they asked J.K. Rowling about this at some point, And she's just like, no, that's not what I intended. Um, but yeah, that's another one. Where I just, I don't know. It's like, if you want the books to be really weird and twisted, I guess that can be your headcanon, but I kind of don't agree with it. I was just reading trivia that Helen McCrory was originally cast as Bellatrix, but then had to bow out due to pregnancy, and then they cast mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter. And then Helen, Helen McCrory, who was Damien Lewis's wife, who was in, she was in Skyfall, then became Narcissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Narcissa and Malfoy. Did you see the one about Alan Rickman and Daniel Radcliffe and uh, I think Matthew Lewis in the the car? No. It's oh, where's the the detail? It's so good. Like uh, they they spilled a milkshake on his car. Like during, oh yeah, uh, the yeah. Filming of Goblet of Fire. And so he's like he bans that. Like he, they can't be within five meters of his of his new car. Mm-hmm. Don't come near the car. But yeah, the the Dolores thing, I just I don't think that's the kind of story that J.K. Rowling is telling. Also, I don't think she'd be able to pose for that like gift picture at the end if she had been violated by half horse people. Yeah, I don't, I don't even like thinking about that. I know. Anyway, what else we got? I here? don't think that's going to be in the new illustrated versions, folks. No. Um. Yeah, like Lavanna Lynch is wonderful. Apparently, she beat off fifteen thousand girls for the role of Luna. Yeah, I think the casting of Cho Chang was also an, an open thing like that, if I'm not mistaken. But like her performance of Luna reminds me very much of a, a character named Cassie in the original Skins, who is played by the chick who eventually becomes Gilly in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad to see Crookshanks make his grand return in this. Yeah. Even though I think Crookshanks is he's too smart to go after an extendable ear like that. 
Like you, <laughs> you never saw in, in Azkaban, Crookshanks is actually like super smart and like helping uh, Sirius out the whole time, but that's all cut out from the movie. Oh, yeah. So at first I was like, is that actually like Fred and or George's like actual ear that just extends and then the cat <laughs> eats it? Awesome. <laughs> was it me or did Dumbledore sound like he might have been drunk in like half his scenes? Yeah. Like there's some times when it's he's like slurring his words. Well, I just Michael Gambon, like I almost want to say that his the of these three that we've seen with Michael Gambon for the podcast where I've really analyzed his performance. He gets the best treatment as an actor in in Azkaban mm-hmm. because it's all strengths of the character. Well, right? I'm, I'm curious to watch the next movie because I've only seen it once. Like that's a big Dumbledore movie coming up. See how he does there. Because um, in this, there's like the bit where it's after Trelawney almost gets fired and he comes out and says no. And then he like storms off and like yells at the kids. It's like Dumbledore would never do that. Like it was so out of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that annoyed me. Jackie it's... Rowling provided 70 names for the Black Family Tree Tapestry, mm-hmm. including which ones to scorch out. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that supposedly Radcliffe was like a little bit hesitant to come back for this movie. Which to me is insane that they didn't have all these actors locked up completely. Right. Um, but I guess like that was he could have bowed out if he wanted to. Uh, after this movie, Emma Watson hesitated to come back, but ultimately decided to. I, I'm sure there could be all sorts of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. I just have to wonder if one of them was just a little bit of dissatisfaction with the production in general. I mean, her performance gets hung out to dry in this. It doesn't seem like, like I don't know. I just I had this impression that the cast is like probably feeling a little bit ill-used mm-hmm. uh, like i know like radcliffe like became a drunk eventually on set yeah yeah um, i don't know it doesn't seem like they're taking care of their cast like they should like if if they're debating whether or not they want to come back sure it could be for totally other reasons but like if i were in charge of this movie if i were a producer i'd be like you need to make sure your cast is totally happy you know i we've been kind of sitting on it on the podcast but in the back of my mind has been like the conversation topic of like which of these scenes is Radcliffe drinking through? Or like, which of these movies? Where did well, he claims start? he never drank on the set, but he would show up drunk to work. So that, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, some of the, he said like some scenes he just doesn't even like remember. Like, it's just not even there. <laughs> it's like the whole Harry Potter production is like the seventies for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah, they, they had to postpone. I'm just reading for a couple months here and there so that Radcliffe and Emma Watson could do like various, you know, British schooling sit, exams. Sit their A-levels and GSEs, yeah. Yeah. $200 million budget. Yeah, you're right. Like when you have a $200 million budget, you Where did it go? Up, shut the fuck up about how you don't have enough money to do certain things. Yeah. Um, did you notice that Umbridge likes calling Fudge Cornelius? She... This is my own ca- my own headcanon here. Is that they're the fun. the the fucking portrait that she has to put down when she's doing naughty things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she's she's I I bet to me it just okay that they have a relationship. That's one view, or does she have an obsession with him? That's one view. I took it more as just like a Thatcher thing. Like that's how much she fucking loves this mm-hmm. like evil nineteen eighty four loves power. Yeah. Wasn't a big fan of the uh, just the visuals of Filch and that like stupid hammer and spikes, yeah, like nailing up all the the things. I don't know, seemed a little overdone. Yeah, fucking. Dick I don't know. I felt like the editing in general. I feel like this movie has so much going on, 
and they they cheat and do a lot of montages. I think they needed like the editor from like The Departed or something like like that style of editing where it's like almost a whole movie is like semi montage and it's just like dipping in here and there for scenes Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's so much stuff going on and it seems like rather than weave it all together, it's like here's a montage of Umbridge being evil. Okay, that's done. And then like here's a montage of Dumbledore's army. All right, that's done. And it's just like it feels very segmented rather than kind of like weaving everything together like. The the umbrage like being a pain in the ass, you know, and like messing with Trelawney that immediately follows to like her firing Trelawney. And it's like there was no room for that to breathe. It's just like we go straight from her, you know, observing Trelawney to then she's fired. And if you weave that in with Dumbledore's army at the same time and like mm-hmm. some other plot lines, like I think it just would have flown flowed better uh, in the in the process there like the editing is very it's like we don't want you to think about too many things at once we're just going to move from plot point to plot point like a tv director yeah mm-hmm. the trelawney thing at least the visually it worked with the whole the people who are different being ostracized being being kicked out of what's normal being mm-hmm. pushed down even more uh what do you think of harry's speech uh his first speech to the, they're not yet Dumbledore's army. They're just like signing up. At, uh, not Point. exactly the same Christmas Day speech. Not exactly the most inspiring thing. <laughs> not super inspiring. I mean, whatever. <laughs> mind just be like, honestly, Harry, that was the worst speech ever. Yeah, I wanted like if it was good though, if it was actually like a good speech and he was delivering it well, I wanted them to cut over to like Hermione like mouthing along the words because she actually wrote the speech and she's like, testing there his delivery. <laughs> I did like they they kept in the detail where Hermione finally says Voldemort. Um, I thought the delivery could have been a bit better. Like she, she should stutter when she says it, but I like that they kept that in. She, she finally, like, that's how serious she's taking this. She's going to save Voldemort now, even though it scares her. Right. Hmm. And then she just starts exposition about the rumor requirement. Jeez. It's like, how do you know all this, Hermione? Yes, Ron, there's a bathroom. Mm-hmm. The dueling stuff is fun, although not particularly dynamically shot. You're really going to hurt yourself with all the flinging and being flung. What, like carpal tunnel or? Just, I don't know, like your spine? <laughs> oh, well, it's supposed to have a bunch of cushions in there. The room of requirement, like, knows their training. So it's supposed to re- uh, produce a bunch of, like, cushions and, and pillows for them to land Was on. that in the movie? <laughs> no. No, it isn't. I just, I feel like. Instead, it's... they get, like, a weird, like, wizard dummy to train against. Well, it's like, I. I was like, this will be a real Benjamin Light thing. It's like when you have to go to the infirmary and drink that like bone grow shit because oh, your yeah. spine is busted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think for once in this movie, I don't think they ended up in the hospital. I'm trying to remember if they do in the book or not because it's like, it seems like they're constantly ended up well, in they the don't, hospital. I don't think they mentioned Quidditch once. No, no, it's Quidditch is never mentioned. That was a big deal in the books, but I it, it makes sense to cut that out because... One of the one of the things I think the book doesn't do well is Ron is this constant crisis of confidence. Like, does he belong on the team or not? Is he going to be a good keeper? And he kind of finally gets over that when they win the cup at the end of a uh, you know like the third Quidditch match. And then in uh, Half Blood Prince, suddenly he's like he lacks confidence again, and he's like worried about. And it's like I thought we already did this, so it makes sense to just like not go through that oh, same plotline twice. Let's face it. When we talk about our headcanon about Ron and Hermione's marriage, they have to have a lot of like pep talks about Ron's performance oh, a God. lot. Weasley is our king. I'm sure she sings it to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, can I just say the 
the bit, I think it's at the end of like explaining Cho's emotions. They do this thing that I absolutely hate when movies do this, where like all the actors are just sitting there awkwardly and then they start laughing. Mm. That never has that ever worked where it's like, oh, ha ha ha. I'm enjoying a laugh along with the actors. Only once or twice in my life have I said something and then it's like, well, I just heard myself. Sorry. And then everybody just starts laughing together. <laughs> and then we dance around a kitchen table like in the big chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did the mistletoe really need to grow? No. It couldn't have just been there. Huh? No. How much money was spent on that? Like, <laughs> was that is that why you didn't get a scene at St. Mungo's? There's just there was no passion whatsoever. Like I like I if she hadn't if Cho hadn't been in the previous movie, like turning Harry down, I would not have even felt a chemistry between them or, or I mean, recognize what, what was going on there. It wasn't you know what I mean? super romantic. You know, it's no, like, no. I mean, my never boy, mind you witnessed my boyfriend crying. dying. Let's make out. Yeah. Never mind that she was, because at first having not only seen this movie the one time in the theater years ago, I was like, did Harry just say the kissing was wet? Oh, oh yeah. And then he starts adding the crying detail. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I felt like he had way more chemistry with Havana Lynch and like Luna. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, she has more lines for one. I mean, Cho. Yeah. I wonder how many lines Cho has in this. Like maybe like three or something. It's funny that Cho like may somehow have even less lines than Jenny, and mm-hmm. yet be much more of a presence. Yeah, they still. I mean, Jenny's in it a little bit more, but there's a a bit where Hermione and Ron face off, and she stuns him, and then it's like cut to her laughing with the girls in Dumbledore's army and like somehow Ginny's not like right next to Hermione in that shot. Right. Uh, it just uh, baffles me. Yeah. Like if you're going to cut to the girls, Jenny should be right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got. Jenny who, who I forgot the actress's name, but she still looks like she's 10. I mean, are they dressing her to look younger? It is really bizarre. It just doesn't seem like she's aging with the rest of the cast. It is, yeah, she she looks way younger, even though I'm, I'm sure she's probably about the same age. But yeah, it, it, Bonnie Wright, it seems like they're trying to make her look younger. Uh, and I, I don't know why. It's baffling. So she was born in 91. So she, yeah, she's like a year younger than the rest of them. She shouldn't look that much younger. <laughs> she She doesn't have the luxury of getting the same fourth year, weird, long, ugly mm-hmm. haircut, and then like fifth year short haircut. Oh, she, you... she didn't get the actor cocaine that everyone else got. <laughs> yeah. And then there's just Seamus. He still can't act. Oh man. But he's that guy's just riding the wave. That kid is all accent. <laughs> <laughs> he's like 95% accent, 5% human being. I mean, that guy's in like all the movies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much he made from the, from the whole deal. Like over a oh, million, oh, you think, oh, or oh, so your your Cyril story you were telling me about is it Cyril? That is his name, the Weasley boy. Cyril. What is the, what is the the head boy? Percy. Weasley. Per- Percy. Sorry, Cyril. Cyril Figgis. Yeah, no, uh, Percy. Uh, so you were telling me a story about the actor who was given a choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who knows if this is true? Just reading like the trivia on like IMDb. It was like he had the choice of whether or not to be he had, like a four movie contract mm-hmm. and he could choose whether or not to be in Gobble to Fire or Order of the Phoenix. And it's like, how how do you allow that guy to make that choice? That makes no sense to me at all. 
Well, like, there's like, oh, this random, like, almost extra doesn't want to be in this movie, so we'll just write around it. If if you had not told me that story, okay, and that he chose this one because he mm-hmm. felt like it had a bigger role than the previous you know, one, he has like two lines. Yeah. I would not have recognized him at fucking all. I would have, I would have thought it was like the the younger sister on Family Matters who was just written out of the show inexplicably. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I completely forgot about him. The only line I remember him ever delivering in the entire like five movies so far is, "I'm head boy." Yeah, he basically in the books he turns into a real company man for the ministry and. Uh, is, is a real shithead to the rest of the Weasley clan until the, the end of book seven. It, you know, it's got to be hard for him because the entire fucking family is complicit in all these illegal activities the Order of the Phoenix is up to. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, committing crimes is a Weasley family affair. Yeah, they're blood traitors. Yeah. Did the the weird sequence where, like, Arthur gets attacked and then suddenly it's like, Occlumency lessons. Like, out of nowhere, like, Snape just drags Harry away for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that make sense to you? Eventually, yeah. Okay. I mean, Alan Rickman is, his 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 whole blocking is just fantastic. It's just fucking fantastic in this movie. He's just like, he's in your face and he pulls back. Yeah. It's like he's, like, doing this weird Alan Rickman, like, acting ballet. <laughs> throughout that scene <laughs> yeah it just seems so weird that they find <laughs> penetrate your mind they like wedge that in before they go to grandma place for christmas it just seemed like such a strange sequence to me yeah well it's like nobody's like i don't like harry i think he's up to something we should follow where he goes on the holidays mm-hmm. he will probably lead us to wanted mass murder or serious black i'm just saying there's a total trailer line where uh, Hagrid's just like, "There's a storm coming, Harry." Oh yeah, it's just oh man. But it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, Robbie Coltrane is a good actor. It's the problem is Hagrid, the character, is sometimes, you know, useless. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grop. Let's talk yeah. about Grop. That like, that to me it was like the last straw for me and Hagrid. I was just like, "That's it. I'm done with you, you asshole." <laughs> As a favor. Could you kids take on this massive, literally massive burden for me? Mm-hmm. I think in the books, that's kind of like when Hermione mentally checks out on him, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. It's that all happens during a Quidditch match where like Ron and or Ron's playing. Harry's a, can't play. And so him and Hermione get drug off to that. And they don't even realize like Ron won and he's all happy. And they're just like, yeah, we didn't actually see it because we're our asshole friend dragged us into the middle of the forest and just wants it, us to take care of this giant who's actually like much less uh like civilized i guess you would say in the book mm. it's like he would have he would have killed hermione if he picked her up in the book basically yeah another another like slow outcast that they mm-hmm. have to throw their lot in with also showing the the azkaban breakout totally mm-hmm. unnecessary oh that just bothers me that's another one of those like perspective problems i have when they like show stuff like that it's a perspective problem because they didn't I don't know. I feel like they're building up Bellatrix to be such a bigger character than she actually is in these movies. You know? I mean, she's kind of like, you know, the the dragon for Voldemort there. But, um... Well, it's yeah. like, it's it's weird, though, because it's like, they have so many, like, like lieutenants. You, know, mm-hmm. you got Lucius, and you got Bellatrix. All the, all the Death Eaters really look like fucking, like, 
like generic Bond villain thugs. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, all the all the dudes who weren't Lucius or Bellatrix are just totally random, like but I mean like Eastern European scummy looking dudes. I wouldn't have minded showing the breakout. I mean, I would have liked to know the mechanics of the breakout. Did someone just set off a bomb? That seems. I mean, but like they. That's got why it's so better much, not to show it. They got so much currency out of uh, uh, Sirius Black's like GIF mugshot in the mm-hmm. third one, you know, and she had a pretty insane, you know, mugshot of her own in the paper or whatever. That would have that would have sufficed. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to show it. Um, let's see anything else I want to talk about here. Oh, so this was interesting to me. Like, did you ever before this movie did did it ever occur to you to wonder why Voldemort tried to kill Harry to begin with? Um, only because he was the impression I got was only because he was trying to kill James and Lily, and it was like you know like old martial arts movies tell you if you leave a kid behind he'll eventually come back and challenge you. Yeah, it's I, it never occurred to me either. It's amazing how deftly J.K. Rowling like worked that in and never really explained like why exactly were they trying to kill Harry? You're just kind of like I don't know, Voldemort's evil or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when we stop and think about it. You're like, wait, yeah, why is that? Why? Because he, you know, he told. We know that Harry survived because of the protection curse, so he was definitely a target. You know, like Lily wasn't the target; Harry was. Uh, and it's like somehow you never really thought about it until now. Why exactly was that? And it's all because of this prophecy. J.K. Rowling, I suspect, is smart enough to know that she needs to sometimes go in and cover her bases before anyone realizes those bases are uncovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does a really good job of setting things up far in advance to pay them off later. I, I really admire her ability to just fire off answers to any like time that people try to like <laughs> penetrate her on Twitter. Of, sorry. Uh, like with like, like plot inconsistencies or questions or nitpicks or whatever. And she's just like, boom, 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 boom. Well, it is fascinating. I'm not sure if we've gotten that sort of interaction between an author and their work for such like a, a widely read and you know celebrated series or something well, just you know like we, we never had like tolkien just like dropping like truth bombs on you about like why this or that happened in lord of the rings well i suspect tolkien would really need more than like 164 characters <laughs> he's like well to answer your question i need to give you a three-year introduction to the elvish language mm-hmm. so i can then give you a 15-year history lesson on the uh, the people of the second race yeah. well they have like letters from tolkien and whatnot here and there explaining you know little details but to have J.K. Rowling available on Twitter to just be like, yes, no, I like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of it's neat. Uh, it's definitely, you know, the whole author is dead thing. Hard to apply that when uh, he got the author still around clarifying things. Also, the nice thing about having her and her being so vocal and interacting for fans so much and being so British is sometimes she's like, you know what? So and so's a cunt. <laughs> and you're like, damn, cool. Yeah, let's see. Anything else to talk about here? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no. I, 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 my, my headcanon query would be, uh, wouldn't it be great if in the last movie or book, when Voldemort is going over, like the inventory of all the magical forces he's marshaled to his side, like the centaurs, the giants, the were people, the ghosts, he could also be like, and the Nargals are working with us. You're really captivated by the Nargals, huh? I am. I love mm-hmm. Luna so much. Okay. Oh, uh, one more thing. Um, Dumbledore's like, I cared too much about you excuse. <laughs> That's some all-time bullshit right there. <laughs> That's some mansplaining. Oh, That's yeah. some wizardsplaining. Well, the thing is, Harry, I just cared too much about you, which is why I've been so shitty to you all year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's one last mentor, note. Mentor explaining. <laughs> My last note just says even the credits of this movie are uninspired. <laughs> and they really are. <laughs> credits are so weak. Yeah. Well, they really fell apart on the like starting with Korons and then even the attempting with uh, uh, Goblet of Fire. Like, let's do something interesting around mm. the logo, the WB logo. Yeah. All right. Um, so before we go to power rankings, uh, make one change. What would your change be? Um, let's see. Do I have one? Do I have one? Do I have one? I think it was. I would just change the the info dump. The newspaper headlines is what I wrote. Okay. It just it just it, ad nauseum bothered me. Bothered the shit out of me constantly. My change is similar. My change is just hire a better editor. Um, like I said, like this should be edited like The Departed or something. There's there's so many different plot lines to weave together. I think just a, a better editor would have made everything feel like a semi montage rather than just like these very obvious like here's a montage about this and then here's a montage about this type of style that it goes into. Like TV shows, yeah. I mm-hmm. now I'm just thinking of uh, Alan Rickman as Snape doing like Mark Wahlberg lines from The Departed, and it's a delightful mm-hmm. head montage. So, power rankings. My number I'm one. Not, I'm not totally confident in my power rankings, but let's do it anyway. Yeah, mine are all over the place. My number one is Snape. Obviously. <laughs> oh, so, just, his line reading of obviously podcast. is like the best thing in this movie. Spoiler for the rest of the podcast. It'll always either be Snape or Hermione is number one. Well, I got bad news for Hermione this time. Ron outranks you. Think about that, Hermione. Oh, shit. That's not your fault. It's it's Mark Day, the editor's fault. He apparently hates you, Emma Watson. Just calling out. You're firing shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. I mean, Snape is... He's Snape. Yeah, okay. He's like, I don't know what this director's doing, but I'm still going to kill it. You want to shoot me handheld? Fine. I don't give a shit. I'm Snape. <laughs> um, My number one is actually Harry, just because... As weird as it was, as one note as it was, we were finally like back with Harry on the journey with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated that since his name is in the title. He's the eponymous character. Understood. Understood. My number two is Neville. Wow. My okay. man Neville. Okay. He, he looks like he grew like five years between the last movie and this movie. Like suddenly he's taller than everyone else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Neville in this movie. He does no wrong. He's got that dorky look where you just know that, like, if he had some confidence, he would just be cleaning it up. Oh, yeah. You you know that by the end of the seventh movie, when, like, he's the one who killed Nagini and all that, like, yeah. And yeah. Luna. This guy just has to walk into the club with a sword hanging over one shoulder. Yeah. He um, buys no more drinks in England. Yeah. My, uh, my number two, I hate to regretfully say it, is Dolores Jane Umbridge because she's just looming large in my uh, nightmares in this movie i she's hate her so even, much i couldn't put her that high she's even against the ghost paintings <laughs> like against the paintings even and i felt bad for filch for one moment there because i was like that's a lot of fucking portraits to take down mm, yeah. yeah uh let's see my number three is luna yep me too this luna is just a delight and and so much so different from the other characters you know she's just like weird and loopy and uh has her own affect going the whole time but she's she's a breath of fresh air for every bellatrix lestrange you get you get a luna love good and that makes it okay mm-hmm. so who you got next hermione 
Hermione. Uh, almost despite herself in this movie, because I, I do have to agree with Harry against Hermione in one small point. Come on, Hermione. Just because you know it's a trap, that shouldn't stop you from springing it. Mm-hmm. Traps are more fun from the inside. You know, when we're coming on Luna, uh, the actress, she has really long blonde hair. It like goes down like below her waist. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for whatever reason, they're trying not to show you that through the whole movie. I don't know why. It's, it's distracting to me when I watch it. It's like every once in a while, you'll see a shot where it's like, oh, wow, she has really long hair. But then, like, the rest of the time, it's shot so that it just looks like it, it's, like, shoulder length. I don't know. It, it annoys me. Yeah. What's your number four? If you're going to ha- have hair that long, you should do something with it. That's all I'm saying. Um, and number four is Harry. Okay. Yeah. Harry's, uh, at least he has a normal haircut this time. He's taking charge, teaching classes and whatnot. Mm. Letting everyone produce, produce a Patronus extremely easily suddenly. Mm-hmm. They're so like, what was so hard about this, Harry? yeah really (laughs) uh my number five is serious um just because i don't know there's a interesting desperation that drives this character like the things he yearns for and like Mm -hmm. the the brief moments where he's excited and it's like right at the hour of his death also he's dressed like a sleazy magical pimp and um (laughs) i don't know it's charming well my number five is quite the opposite i have bellatrix Okay, nice. Fitting. Uh, Fitting. I mean, with Helena Barnum Carter, you kind of know what you're getting, but she yeah. delivers. Yeah. I want to say this might be, like, one of the first times we really got this type of persona from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of became her thing after a while. But. Well, she basically started playing, uh, like, Heath Ledger's Joker before Heath Ledger played the Joker. Sure. What do you got at number six? Dumbledore. Oh, so do I. For the wizard's planning. The mentor's planning. Yeah, Dumbledore, nice action scenes. Seems like you're kind of a surly drunk through the first half of the movie, <laughs> but we'll just... Like, I don't know. It's like he he's supposed to be, like, just, like, enormously chill, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, he doesn't let it get to him. But in this, he obviously lets it get to him. I just can't envision this movie featuring Richard Harris at all. No. No, he's just too old and tired. Yeah. Maybe when he was younger, it would be, it would probably have like more vitriol. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, number seven, I have Ron. I don't so know do why, I. I don't know why I put it here, but this is where I put the one scene where you watch Ron eat is kind of gross. <laughs> it's like, at least he's not too fisting it this time. Yeah. It's wet, like Harry's supposed kissing of Cho. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thus all my fanfiction begins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had Ron 7, too. Um, I don't know. Ron's Ron. He's uh, he, he he's not awful in this movie, so you can say that for him. Yeah. It seems like he's uh, growing up a little bit. Uh, I had Umbridge at 8. Okay. Um, just because I, I hate her too much to put her higher. I had oh, Bellatrix she's... at 8. Um, it's funny... There, apparently there was a lot of reports to this, but the WB has denied them all adamantly. But the reports that were Elizabeth Hurley auditioned for this role. As Bellatrix? Yeah. Hmm. That'd be interesting. I I can't see it. I mean, like I, the TV show version? Sure. The way the character is described in the books, I feel like Helena Bonham Carter does a pretty good uh, just version of that. She's described as like dark hair, like heavy lidded eyes, you know, like kind of that's what she looks like. 
Helen I think Potter, I like so. her more in Half Blood Prince. That's I, the one don't, like I don't remember Half Blood Prince enough. Okay. I've only seen it once. The visual I have in my memory of her, I remember like summing up her character. I, I just, I feel like in a way she should be played as like kind of the evil grown up Luna. Hmm. Um, I don't have a nine or 10, I'm afraid. My nine is Hermione. I'm, I'm sorry, Hermione. Hopefully you won't be this low again, but, uh, Mark Day really hates you. And he didn't do much in this movie except for exposition. And, and like the now like constant, like whenever, it's like Hermione has to like throw herself into Harry's arms right. and give him a big hug now in like every movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like that's that's straight from like uh the producer's notes. Mm-hmm. And then my my 10 was Voldemort just cuz Oh yeah. Yeah. He would have been like my 9 or 10. Although uh I feel like now now my number 10 would be what's his name Mark Day. <laughs> Stomping all over him Watson's performance, yeah. <laughs> Like just, I just see he's him, the like, editor from here on out too. He's David Yates' editor. It's just uh... I just see him like wandering onto the set, and, like smacking the script out of Emma Watson's hand. Mm-hmm. You don't need that. I'm gonna shit on your performance anyway. <laughs> like, did she like take the last donut from Craft Services on like the first day of shooting or something? It's like I will ruin you. Yeah, I will be your Voldemort. All right. Uh, so one last thing before we go, I thought it'd be fun to talk about the subjects at Hogwarts. Okay. Uh, since this was their owl year, although it's barely shown in the movie, but this is the year they have to study really hard, and it's just fun to think about the subjects that they take, and and thought we'd go through them and think, you know, would we take these electives, and, and how do we think we'd do in these classes? All right, so again, it stands for Ordinary Wizarding Levels? That is correct. So is there eventually like an Extraordinary Wizarding Levels? There's the Nastily Exhausting Wizarding Tests. Okay. Newts. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the core classes, mm-hmm. astronomy. How do you think you do in astronomy? I think I would do wonderfully. Really? I, I wonder if the astronomy includes like math or is it just like staring at the stars? <laughs> Cause I have this theory about arithmancy and we'll get to in a bit, but I, I feel like the math level of all wizards is like fifth grade. Yeah. Because that's basically when they stop going to normal school. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much math is involved in the astronomy. I, I imagine. I'd like to think it's scientific, but I imagine in this universe, it's a lot of listening to Pink Floyd and getting high on like whatever the hell Bilbo was getting high on in Lord of the Rings, um, and like having like laser light shows. But you would, I yeah, you'd like to think that it involves math and like somehow doing like scientific calculations, like involving. I don't know, the stars and the mm. Earth's place to do magical. I mean, because you're basically interrupting reality and time and space to do magic. I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like as astronomy, I think I'd do well in the class. And I think I'll be into that class just because it, it like it takes place at night. Like they go up and they have like their star watching and whatnot. Mm. Like that's the perfect time to like, oh, I'm assigned my study buddy, like my high school crush. Like that's like the perfect time to like make a move. Right. Mm hmm. Watching the stars at night. I mean, that's just like a guaranteed time to, to do a little flirtation. I feel like that would be a fun class for the students. Oh, yeah. That's Watching why the stars. I feel like people are like, wow, Fred and George have A's in astronomy. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, next is Charms, which is what Flitwick teaches. Um, which have we is... seen her? No, the Flitwick's, uh, uh, what's his face? Warwick Davis. Oh, okay, okay. 
It's like, you know, uh, basically not transfiguration. It's all the other types of magic, you know, like making stuff float and mm. uh, that sort of stuff. I, I feel like I'd probably be decent at charms. Um, I'd be B student in that class. You know, I can't tell you how I would do. I can tell you that I would sure should apply myself, though. It seems like charms is super useful. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, like summoning uh, spells and 75% yeah. of magic. Yeah. The other is just like magical lingo. Stupefy! <laughs> uh, defense against the dark arts. I would just be enraptured the whole class. I'd be fascinated, especially if Snape was my, eventually my teacher. I mean, I, I feel like I'd be fascinated by it. I wonder. It's like you'd want to be like really good at it, but maybe it's like a sport or something where it like does require some talent or something. Yeah, I would think so. You know, like, I don't know. I'd, I would definitely try hard in that class. Like, I feel like nobody wants to be bad at defense against the dark arts. Because you'd be dead. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at the wiki here. They list flying as one of the classes. But I tell you, like it's a god of your class. It's like a little side class. It's like, an, you know. <laughs> I like how you think it's like a weekend seminar. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Like, <laughs> there's never another class. flying lesson. It, there should be. Well, there's never. The, the lesson is you movie. stand next to your broom and you say up and then you fly. I feel like there's got to be some kind of like level, <laughs> like some kind of like instruction that goes along with that. Because not everyone is like super broom guy like Harry. Well, you know, book readers like to point out that uh, it's, it's mentioned that Hermione's never felt confident on a broomstick, which they take as some sort of a innuendo. Wow. Do with that what you will. <laughs> This is a very sexual episode of the podcast. I guess well, the, the next episode is going to be very sexual, I think, because that's the one where it's basically a romantic comedy. Yeah. yeah. Talk about how problematic love potions are. Just just think about that gif of uh, Daniel Radcliffe doing the uh, the snake, the spider pinchers. pinchers. <laughs> uh, her- herbology? I, I think I would hate this class. It's boring. I'm not into plants. Yeah. Especially if they're going to scream at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole thing herbology where, like, oh, this, this like plant can kill you. Well, it seems like herbology is so closely related to potions that it should almost be the same class to me. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I had no green thumb. Wouldn't be into that. History of magic. Harry hates this class because it's like it's taught by a ghost who's super boring. I've always been good at history, so I think I'd be, I'd, I could dig this class. I'd be like Hermione where I'm just, you know, into the lectures and goblin rebellions and shit. Well, I feel like history of magic, you know, it's like any history class you've been to has been, you know, the, the boring parts. There's always like the one teacher who's like, let's get into the juicy, scandalous shit. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. Um, Like, I feel like that's all magical history. You know, like. I think so. I mean, it, supposedly they, like the, the teacher is a ghost who teaches it. He's super boring. So Harry and Ron are constantly like just falling asleep. And Hermione's the only one who can seem to pay attention in class. But I guess if you have a, have a boring teacher. But I mean, yeah. like, you know, when one of your one of your lessons is about a guy who made a stone that lets him live forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the classes is muggle studies. <laughs> Which, I mean, presuming if we were going to Hogwarts, we'd both come from muggle families. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on this. On the one hand, it's like, yeah, fuck that. Like, extra work. Uh, but on the other, it's like... Like, I would take, like, comp lit in college for credit, even though I obviously knew what I was doing with the computer. Uh, I wonder if muggle studies would be like that for me. Or it's like, yeah, sure. I know all about the muggles. It's like, I'm not, not even going to show up to class. Well, I mean. Take my test at the end of the year. Unless over the summer, 
even if you're pure wizarding family, unless over the summer, like you live in a, another dimension or something, I think you're somewhat acquainted with muggles, right? I mean, Not I don't know how really, no. easily functions. Well, cause they, they live at the burrow and then he just apparates to work. He doesn't, he he only interacts with muggles because he wants to. Like he can be a wizard and not really have much to do with them. So are you saying it's like in in like the summer of his forty ninth year on the Earth, like Arthur Weasley was like, "Have you heard of this thing called McDonald's?" Oh yeah, God. basically. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's a I don't know meal take... that makes you happy. I, I guess I probably would have taken Muggle studies. That seems like easy credit. I mean, I don't know what they teach in it, but Merlin's beard, Harry. Guacamole is extra. Yeah. Harry's just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Not for me, bitch. Potions. I'm the chosen one. Potions. No? I don't know. It... I'd be into potions. Snape Snape would be a challenge to me as a student. I'd be like, like you're so mean that I'm going to make you like me. Because I, I always want to be teacher's pet in school. Well, I think he has you of two words. Bottle glory. <laughs> <laughs> I would like potions. I don't know how good I would be at it, though. Like, I'm not the greatest cook. And there's definitely a, an element to that in there. I'm going to make a bad reference that only you and I will get. This is a pill that <laughs> gives worms to ex-girlfriends. What's good about that? Yeah. Uh, Transfiguration. McGonagall's oh, yeah. class. I, that would scare me, but I'd still be very tempted. I'd, I'd want to do good in that. I feel like once I heard about the whole Animagus thing, mm. I feel like I'd want to at least try. What was like, the animal before? Cat? I don't know. I don't even know if you get to choose or if it's just like kind of like a reflection of your personality or something. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like it'd be fun mm. to register with the ministry and all that. But I mean, that'd just be so handy, especially if you could be like something that flies like an yeah. eagle or something. That'd be cool. You're... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you're think you're, you're gonna think you're gonna be cool. You're gonna end yeah. up with Sam lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam fucking Merlot. They're like, yeah, you're just a dog. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh yeah, at some point we should discuss what a Patronus would be. Maybe next episode. Um, so then there's electives. Uh, one of them is alchemy, which is only sixth and seventh years, and only if demand is sufficient. I feel like that's basically advanced potions, right? Yeah, but I mean, alchemy is solely turning things into gold, right? It's transmuting base metals. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I was a good potion student, I would want to take it. I mean, it's it's violating the very like laws of nature. So I guess it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I feel I mean, like if, it, if it actually worked, then you wouldn't need to worry about money anymore, right? Well, know. so when when Arthur says muggle money, meaning muggle money, like. Does that solidify that wizarding money is all like gold ducats or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's it's all uh galleons and nuts and uh sickles. Hmm. Yeah. Uh apparition, that's basically just like a driving class. But like that, I, that, that's that basically like that's the metaphor there. Hugely important. You'd have to. Like I I feel like to not be able to apparate it would be embarrassing. It'd be like not being able to drive. Right. Like by location would be a huge thing, I think. It'd be being able to necessary. teleport. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. That's much more important to me than potions. Mm -hmm. uh, arithmancy. So my theory on arithmancy is that it's basically just like algebra, mm. and like they because all the wizards have like a fifth grade math education, they think it's magical. 
but it's actually mm-hmm. just algebra and then like calculus. The magical properties of numbers? Yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, Hermione loves that class. Uh, I, I would, of course, take it. I was great at math in school, so yeah, I'd be into that. Uh, care of magical creatures, I would be out on completely. <laughs> Sorry, Hagrid. I don't want to be a veterinarian. That class just seems like a pain in the ass. All creatures great and small. So you'd be getting your like the shit kicked out of you by Buckbeak. I mean, I guess I guess if you had like a lot of friends who were taking the class, you'd want to take it. I definitely wouldn't continue that after fifth year, because after fifth year they can drop electives they don't plan to pursue newts with. Okay. You know, and so maybe I would take it just to, for the basics. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I'd want to have the uh, like the clinical knowledge, but maybe not mm. so much the practice. Because, like you said, I'm not going to become a magical. I mean, at least it's like a yeah. chill period where you get to hang out outside. <laughs> Unless you got to take worse. a shit. You know? Yeah. There ain't no room no, requirement of a bathroom outside. Magic up a toilet. That was one thing I missed in the uh, in nature. the hearing. The in the in the hearing at the beginning of uh, Order of Phoenix, when Dumbledore shows up, he like magics himself a chair, and nice. it's not just any chair; it's like a big like recliner. <laughs> I was nice. like that. Like he doesn't just like give himself a, a a dainty little chair or anything. He's just like I'm giving myself like a totally huge recliner. I'm just gonna chill in. Nice uh, divination. Eh, yeah. Really? Oh, I'd be uh, so out on that. I mean, very wooly subject. They paint it as like such a, a hit or miss thing. I guess I'm just not into astrology at all. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, in the Harry Potter world, is divination different from like prophecy? It's the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not invested in like fucking tea leaves or anything like that yeah i would be out on that that i wouldn't take that i would my my electives would be probably like arithmancy care for magical creatures and i don't know what else i'll be real like in the game theory that is education at at hogwarts i would sure shit make sure i had a uh an a plus divination student in my click okay but if they're if they're taught by trelawney though i mean she's full of shit like 99% of the time but she smells delightful yeah. no Harry hates her class stiffly so, um, so, so Hermione. lastly we have a study we of did, ancient runes we did talk about when Hermione like knocks the, the crystal ball off the table I love that moment in the mm-hmm. third one fuck this <laughs> sorry what was that kind of a bitch uh, study of ancient runes what the hell is that gonna like? I feel like this I mean, r- roughly translates into like a foreign language. But I mean, I feel like I would take three years of this, and I would not be able to translate a single rune when I was done. You know, like it'd be like when I took French for two years and barely remember a word of it. But I mean, are are am I going to be directly communicating with people using ancient runes and glyphs? And well, I think if, I mean maybe if you're like working, a history book? I think if you're working for like Gringotts. You need to like be able to translate ancient runes when you're like you know breaking curses on treasure and whatnot. I don't know. So I guess we need to talk about probably at least by the last of the movies. What would your magical s- careers? Yeah, your magical careers step into the larger wizarding world be? Yeah, we should save that for for later. But yeah, that's a good one to talk about because that would really <laughs> determine. Because I mean, I'm hearing you talk about Gringotts, and I'm thinking like, fuck no. 
I wouldn't work there. Fuck that. Well, that's where oh, I'm going to get this the wrong. One, I believe, the one Weasley boy. I believe Bill Weasley works for Green Gots and Charlie Weasley works uh, dragons. Uh, Wrangling Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie's the Dragon Wrangler, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think my best subject would probably be arithmancy, just because if if it's anything just math wise, I'd probably be good at that. Um, I and mean, you want to be good at defense against the dark arts and yeah. charms. I, charms, I think you got to nail. There's a lot involved in charms. Hmm. Like even if you sucked at everything else, like making shit like float and and that sort of thing, would be pretty useful. <laughs> I'm just worried looking at you know. I don't know the percentages here, but you got a class that's got like uh, it's it's got a Ron in it, it's got a Seamus, it's got a, a one of uh, Draco's little buddies there who looks like particularly thick, like uh, it's got crab. Like, that, yeah. crab or Goyle because he's a dumb name too. So there's there's four students. I don't know what the percentages, but like I'm worried about the curve that everything's mm-hmm. graded on. You know what I mean? Is that beneficial to me? Well, I don't know. Do grades really matter other than like your owls and your new? Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. So, what does the owl determine? Like, if you, so if you fail, you need you an have... owl of a certain level to advance on. Okay. Uh, and like, like for instance, Snape only takes outstanding in his potions class, uh, the new level potions class, and and I think uh, uh, McGonagall only takes exceeds expectations in her transfiguration class so so theoretically let's let's do this as we wrap up here mm-hmm. um so fifth year is over that means you can start dropping classes you don't want to pursue newts in so i'm just going to go down the list of classes here and you tell me do you keep this class or not for sixth and seventh year okay all right astronomy sure i'll keep it charms yeah defense against the dark arts oh yeah herbology nope history of magic yes muggle studies i think so i think that'd be useful i mean nothing else there it's like it's like studying the forest mm-hmm. potions uh, i'm gonna say yes for now transfiguration yes i would take that i would keep that class yes uh would you take alchemy yeah, I, I you're taking wanna, a lot of classes. I am taking a lot of classes. Harry and Ron I, take like five classes their sixth year. I want options, so I'm going to say yeah for now, but I might drop it. Right. Arithmancy? Nope. Care of magical creatures? Nope. Divination? No. Ancient runes? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I would probably. I'm the difference is on, you would keep arithmancy, right? I might take astronomy still. I'm. I'm I, I would definitely take charms, defense against the dark arts, potions, and transfiguration. That would be my core four. And then like herbology is out. I might, uh, I might take history of magic just because I feel like it would just be an easy class for me. Um, Arithmancy, I don't know. I mean, when I like met my like college requirements, I dropped math like it was hot, even though mm-hmm. I was good at it. So I might just drop that too. I guess it also depends on like what the like some of the jobs in the wizarding world have requirements, like you need a newton this or that, mm-hmm. so that might influence some of that. Um, I mean, I definitely no ancient runes for sure, no magical creatures, no divination. I might take arithmancy still, and I'm maybe alchemy. Guessing at what my my magical occupation vocation would be, mm-hmm. and certain things, I don't know. Uh, thinking on what it will be, which we'll talk about in like 
three episodes. Maybe I would need the runes, but again, I'd really want to. I'd, I'd want to hook up with somebody who's really good at divination, really good at runes, and like just keep them in my stable. Okay. Yeah. It's a very Slytherin uh, tactic of yours. You go. You can't get anywhere without friends, right? Sure. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. This is a long one. Um, before we head on out want to cover a couple things we started getting some reviews which is very appreciated yes thank you. um we have a lot actually so thank you to manda joanne odette 07 uh, actual bad guys obviously <laughs> one of our pll fans in case you just happen to listen to this and don't know we do a pretty little liars podcast too uh so that's thanks to actual bad guys who obviously listen to that one uh trinka 11 Thor Good, Scott 1124, Juanito Carnitas, mm-hmm. and Super Steph 618. Thanks to all of them. I like to tell Juanito Carnitas thought you were the next Morgan Freeman. I uh, I can't tell you how much I'm surprised and appreciative of that. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks to all that. Uh, if you like the podcast, definitely feel free to rate and review us in iTunes. It's always appreciated. Um, we are at Pod on Twitter. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Our website page uh, is because our main podcast is a PLL Pretty Little Liars podcast. The website is uh, broswatchpl2.com slash headcanon if you want to find us there. And you can leave a comment, like a longer comment on our page if you like, discuss uh, the episode. Um, it should be mentioned, I think we decide we're going to do Hunger Games next. Yeah, I think so. So, and I think think it will work out so that we go right up to the release of Mockingjay Part 2 and then we can kind of try to cover that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be fun. So that's what we're up to next. Anything else you'd like to add, Marco? No, just thanks everyone for listening and, and talking to us and what have you and putting up with us. <laughs> <laughs> putting up with these uh, increasingly long episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're almost to uh, rivaling the length of the movie themselves, which yeah. is if, I mean, for a movie, that's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, I think it took us up to season five of PLL before someone said that one of the episodes was three times the length of the actual episode we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's tough because I really like the material here. I just wish the directors were better. Yeah. And the editor, uh, think, apparently. Yeah. Well, I, we were spoiled. You know, we had one really great movie with Azkaban and then it was just like, oh, um. Yeah. But uh, I, Yates does get better. At least I, I seem to recall that. I haven't watched I'm looking forward to the next one, I'll say. Yeah, I haven't watched him recently. I remember mostly liking Deathly Hallows Part 1, even though it's really weird. So, uh, yeah, yeah, those will be fun to rewatch. Until then, uh, we don't really have a sign-off. I guess we'll just say goodbye. Spilly Almas! <laughs> <laughs>